We don't have to spend a lot of time on the Brazil one. <laughs> just, we just knocked that baby out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Minnesota Football Daves, uh, our quarterfinal uh, recap, breakdowns, and uh, maybe a, a very, very quick um, previews of the semifinal matches coming up. We have uh, uh, crestfallen Eric Silverbrenneman um, in the podcast <laughs> today. Eric, how are you doing? Oi, I'm all right. I've been here before. This is literally, uh, you know, I've been here before. Yeah, literally four <laughs> years ago or four and a half years ago, right? <laughs> yep, yep. What, what's what's another two decades? <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, MJ, how are you doing, MJ? You know, uh, I was feeling really bad when uh, Brazil, you know, beat Korea last week. Now I'm feeling great. No, um, <laughs> now Eric can can join me in in my sorrow. Uh, and uh, what are you doing? Saying this is going to be a quick podcast. Look. Hey, we were here. under two hours last time by a lot, actually. Um, crushed it. Yeah. Well, at least all of our teams made the uh, made the tournament, so made the final. So can't say that about Rodrigo. Um, and I'm saying that because he's not here currently, but he will be joining us uh, shortly, um, having a family dinner. So um, we decided to get going without him, but he'll he'll be joining us. He's got some, uh, let's just say, uh, fanciful ideas about the Argentina match that we uh, can't wait to can't wait to dive into. So. <laughs> Definitely. Um let's start with start off though in a uh, much more serious note. Uh, obviously I'm sure if you listen to this podcast you've heard by now uh Grant Wall passed away um uh on was it Friday it was Friday um in the stadium during the Argentina Netherlands match. Uh he collapsed there there's you know no one knows for sure what the death is it sounds like his body was returned to the US today so I'm sure there'll be an autopsy and making sure um obviously lots of speculation but we're not going to uh, speculate too much on this podcast um, other than just say, you know, RIP Grant Wall. I, I personally, that's how I, he was one of the first people I read when I started following the beautiful game back in 2002, um, sort of post the <clears throat> 2002 World Cup, actually, and we watched, a, you know, South Korea and Japan and started following uh, Liverpool. Um, you know, one of the only people writing about soccer at that point was Grant Wall with a, any sort of regularity. So he was definitely uh, someone that I um, followed, you know, I followed from SI to his was a sub member of his Substack or a subscriber to his Substack. So literally I'm, I've been sitting on a, his last full podcast and his last thing that he wrote, I just can't really bring myself to even, even read it. Cause that's, you know, never going to hear from him again on that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, I, you know, it's just, a, it's a really terrible thing. Um, do you, either of you guys have any, um, I know he has a, People like, you know, us, you know, when people reached out to him, I know he was very, um, the dark clouds, uh, the, the, you know, nothing Grant Wall scarf story is amazing. We'll have to maybe see if we can get one of the original originators of that, uh, maybe on the podcast and talk a little bit about it, but do you guys have any specific Grant Wall memories or thoughts you want to share, um, before we get diving into even more crazy Trailblazer. stuff? Trailblazer. And it's, it's been, it's been cool to hear all the, um, 
all the connections too from different podcasts and media and, and elsewhere. I mean, you know, everybody's one degree from Grant Wall, it seems like, and just knowing the doors that he opened for a lot of people. And I mean, even us indirectly at this point, it's uh, sucks. Feel, feel bad for the family and uh, his wife, man, his wife was at the forefront of, of COVID too. She's like a, she's like a virologist or something like that. She's, I know. Yeah. Yeah. She worked yeah. in the Biden administration during the sort of the transition and all that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think one of the things that Eric kind of to your point is that um, every single person, every single story is basically like, that guy gave me a hand when I needed a hand yep. and right. he didn't have to, you know, he's, he written a story about LeBron fucking James, man. Like, you know, the guy was, you know, etched in, in history forever. And, um, but anytime I had someone asked for help, he was there. And that sounds like no one has a story about him even saying, you know, turning him down. So um, MJ, how about you? I first was introduced to Grant Wall when he was writing for Sports Illustrated. And he had this great interview, I believe on NPR. Like I was listening to my car radio while I was driving. And he was talking about running for FIFA president. And, uh, you know, just, I kind of gathered this was more of a, investigative journalistic path than actually trying to get elected path but he just wanted to know what would what it would take to for an outsider to try to get into the cronyism that is fifa and it was that whole process and the articles and the radio interviews he did on that was very educational to me on how fifa is organized how much cronyism extends not just to fifa but the different continental confederations um we all know of at least on this pod, we know of scandals within AFC, within Commonwealth, within CONCACAF, etc. So <laughs> all of them, just say all of them. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like that's there's it's everywhere, right? And yeah. I had not realized kind of the how how much it extended, and and again, the the system of it all, how the system is built for that to happen, right? It's it, how it built is built to thrive or enable that sort of activity. Um, so I'm thankful for him for that. Also, I believe he or the interviewer came up with the phrase cure the bladder infection for uh, to try to displace set bladder. And that phrase will be ever etched in my brain and linked with Grant Wall. <laughs> yeah. RIP. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. Literally we were sitting on the couch and I had a date night. We were watching them, trying to get caught up on the crown so we could watch the new season and, I saw the news as we're starting and I just kept like looking at my phone, turning my phone over and then like reading the most recent tweets and everything, just not believing it. And then, and I was like, you're thinking about grand water, you know, I'm like, yeah, kind of weirdly, but um, yeah, just terrible news. Um, hope, uh, hope everything is, you know, the more, all I will say is hope everything's on the up and up. And that was, it was literally just a, a tragic, tragic accident. And we will point, I will say that there was another um, journalist, a photojournalist actually that passed away uh, the day after, Grand Wall, uh, Khalid al-Maslam, um, who was uh, apparently a Qatari photographer. Um, again, there's nothing, not trying to infer any sort of weirdness at play. Um, I don't think there's any, I don't think this photojournalist had taken any pictures, like like sort of the stuff that Grant Wall had written, specifically related to this Qatar World Cup before and sort of talking about during, um, but just another, it's just a tragic, another, and then there's also a security guard died. Uh, the same day as the photojournalist in Qatar too, someone working at a World Cup site. So it's just a, it's a World Cup of, I don't know, of death. Shiza, Shiza, <laughs> really. Um, and so we'll move to the, uh, so another part of the world, soccer related, obviously, um, Iran, 
Uh, MJ, you threw this up on our uh, group chat. So you want to uh, oh. sort of give us the lowdown of what's going on with, with I mean, obviously, we talked a little bit about Iran and uh, the protests that are going on for women's rights and things like that. Um, there's been some terrible, uh, hopefully, you know, not terrible, but right now terrible soccer news. Right. We, we all saw or read about the Iranian national team not seeing the national anthem for their first game in protest uh, for women's rights and the women's protests in Iran. And then, you know, surprise, surprise, then subsequently their next games, they were all singing the national anthem. They all fell, fell in line. Um, this player is, is not on the national team. Uh, he, he played club soccer in Iran, uh, you know, through 2018. So he's been retired for a few years. Uh, Amir Nazar Azadani, um, and he has been helping with these women's protests. Basically, uh, he now, due to his part in all this, is facing execution, which, you know, uh, when joining when, the uh, other like it wasn't like 600 people or something like that that are apparently being processed or they were arrested and processed with with a potential death warrant something like that yeah i believe this is like he was arrested right before the world cup um i know i remember reading the story a story about this if it was the guardian or somewhere um talking about yeah the, you know the player like some of the players were outspoken some of the you know some of the players are not as outspoken as, as others but um it's very dangerous obviously um in a country like iran to speak out against you know um acts of terrorism and violence against people and you know subjugation subjugation and and um you know not letting people love who they love just all the all that stuff is just absolutely absolutely terrible Big okay <sighs> all right <laughs> sorry for all that uh that downer stuff at the start there guys um but that, that, that's really summary of that sort of exorcism we needed that yeah, yeah. Out of our it's important that. obviously that's that the entire world cup is kind of a side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly um all right. Well, let's let's speaking of uh, uh, you know pain and suffering. Let's jump into Croatia Brazil. Um, oh sure. The first. So this is a, this is a match that took place on Friday Saturday. Uh, Friday was a hell of a day for soccer. Yeah. Saturday, you know, not not as much, but still pretty fun. Four um, very different, very interesting semifinals, and I you know I think we'll talk um, just kind of generally about them. Croatia Brazil. Um, Eric, where do you want to start with with uh, with this one? Oh, we can go through it pretty quickly, I think, and and then spend more time on just the, you know, analysis if you aftermath. Want. But I mean, the aftermath. Um, man, I, f- I forgot to mention this last time. This whole Roy Keane thing, just just oh. being an asshole. That dude. Uh, go- honestly, going after the the players and the dancing and whatnot. It's just like of, of all the things, and you just have to be nitpicking on that. And then I mean, like that's that's number one. But the number two, it just echoes what. Vinicius Jr. has already been through at Real Madrid, and now there's actually uh, legal processes that are opening on a lot of the the fans and, and that one commentator and everybody that was giving him a hard time for dancing for Real too. So it's just like, just leave him alone. I mean, not even oh. mentioning the century or so of tradition that that is built on this as well. It's just just being a racist. Yeah, guy. the only thing I'll say about Roy Keane is is that dude's one of that dude's uh, national teammates. Um, Mimed uh, taking a, a snort off of a <laughs> off of a touchline in a goal celebration. So fuck Roy Keane. Yeah, thank you. MJ, do you have you have thoughts? No, is it is this the tweet that where he was complaining that dancing was going to ruin ruin the the world or whatever? 
I think he actually said it like, that- on camera. Is oh, that dude okay. like the fucking pastor in uh, uh, Footloose yeah, yeah. or whatever? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit, man. I I would like to say the joke that that we told at the college I went to that like, you know, the reason why uh, Baptists are against premarital sex or evangelical Christians are against premarital sex is, you know, it might lead to dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, let's let's move through it here quickly. Um, you know, early Brazil is having some success getting up on the left with Vini, aforementioned Vinicius. Um, but a lot of this midfield battle was very much back and forth and even having more of a, uh, I'd say more of a, a, a tilt on the scale towards Croatia. Like Brazil is having a really hard time building attacks and getting things moving like they have in the past in that midfield and just a, a testament to how tight and how organized this Croatian team is and we've we've seen it throughout this World Cup and the past World Cup but you know it it became even more apparent when they were dealing with a lot of talent in the midfield and on the attack and they kind of uh, they were up for the challenge Um, 13th minute got a nice dangerous cross in Um, let's see MJ's putting in here was Joranovic to Palasic to Perisic nice one two three Eric, yeah. green text means you throw the mic to me. Oh, please, MJ, tell me about it. Yeah, the right fullback, Josip uh, Juranovic, he was coming dribbling down the pitch and he passed right to Mario uh, Polaschlik. And then he sent in a nice kind of bouncing cross to Ivan Perisic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, couldn't really get a foot on it. You know, it was kind of bouncing at a weird angle. I don't know how uh, they, Militão got tangled up in there somehow. He was he was beat up on that play for, for some reason. I remember he was he, limping around. He sacrificed his body for that play so that Perisic could not get to the ball. And uh yeah, like uh it was it was really impressive defending, but also uh he didn't look so good after that. No, no, he did not. Um once again, I already talked about the midfield. A uh, great example is Modric just absolutely robbing Casemiro, like right close to the box. And this happened on more than one occasion. Um, going down to like about towards the end of the half, um, Thiago Silva snuffed out a really nice Croatia attack. Like that, that was a really pretty uh, kind of one-on-one coverage that would have turned into a 1v1 with, with, um, with Alisson. Um, and he actually keeps the ball in play too, like right on the touchline, which was, which is pretty sweet. I remember that moment. Um, yeah, you know, I put in here Brazil passes, not as precise, and Croatia picking them off, nil-nil, halftime. I kind of expected this. I, I predicted uh, late goals, I think, if you go back and listen to the the previous episode. Um, so I wasn't, I, you know, we got another half. We'll see what happens. So second half starts. Do you, any guys want to comment on anything on the first half before we move on? Um, moving on, there was an early potential PK VAR uh, it is nullified. I can't even remember, honestly, what happened in MJ. Do you remember? No. Okay, fair enough. We'll keep moving. Um, let's see. I'm going to throw to you then for this. Uh, oh, I always screw up the keeper's name. Novakovic. Uh, thank you. Uh, sliding save on Neymar. Go for it. Well, the, it all started way before Neymar. It's It started in the midfield. And Brazil had this nice, intricate passing network to get it up to Richie. Richie has three Croatians around him and he does this like 
fake back pass, spin around, leaves the three defenders in the dust and gets it up to Neymar. And then Neymar has two teammates in the box and one isn't even marked, but they're all in a line. So the, the one defender is guarding both defenders because they're not making a triangle. And so Neymar is forced to shoot and Livakovic looked like his big long legs, daddy long legs are like got the nutmeg open and then he closes them at the last second and he kind of puts the one knee down. Mm-hmm. This dude had the game of his life, Livakovic. He was incredible. Um, nice little Rod Vinny combo. Um in the 64th minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, I put in here that Hafinha is uh, subbed out. Uh, Rodrigo comes in for Vinicius, which I, I, I was surprised that he went out as early as he did. Honestly, I was, I'm not sure what Chite was seeing, uh, but I would like to, I would like to have Vinny in um, for, for more time on this thing. I, I just think he's such a threat to get him out of there so early. Um, another big save. The, the uh, Levakovic, there it is, on uh, on Paqueta, standing on his head. I just put in here. There was a um, Croatian pressure in the 85th minute, um, and uh, I don't know. I just remember it was chaos in the box, and Brazil was lucky to get away with nothing happening there. Um, so anyway, regular time ends, nil nil, going into extra again. I, I wasn't sweating yet because, again, I, I kind of foresaw something like this. I thought maybe there'd be a goal in regulation, but no big deal. This is what I expected. So here we go. Uh, into extra time. Um, we got in the 103rd. Uh, nice. <laughs> what about here? Ter- terrible shot. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll th- MJ, I think you remember this moment better than I do. I, I, I think my, my trauma brain's protecting me, so I'm forgetting stuff. So go for it. Well, Eric, I cheated. I, I watched the highlights again. So go ahead. Sub, subs Bruno Petkovic gets by four defenders. He nutmegs nutmegs one to to get out of two defenders, and then he dribbles around two other defenders, and he serves the square ball on a silver platter. For oh, Ivan that's Tereshi. what it was. Now I remember. Yep. And he just skied it. He skied it like the Spursy Spur he is, and. <laughs> This is spoiler alert. This is yeah. not the most Spursy event that happened. There will be more. This quarterfinal. There will be more. Um, shortly after that, we do get the goal. Finally, it's Nay fucking Mars. I put in here. It had to be him. Um, really, really lovely, lovely triangle give and go with Paqueta. Um, and he he tracks Paqueta, which leaves basically an open goal uh, that he can just like run by him and tap in. Uh, really pretty. I mean, yeah, had to be him, right? With, with that goal, he tied Pelé for the most Celeson uh, goals at 77 goals. So, so at this point, men's, thank you. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> very important. Yep. Um, so we got one nil. Don't make me go one on my nil, rant. One nil. Well, I said Pelé. <laughs> I kind of Fair. implied it. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, one nil going into the second extra time. And so at this point, you're thinking, okay, they're just going to bunker and they're going to they're gonna try and chew down these 15 minutes, win the match. And I think another thing I previewed on the last match was that they, they can't make any brain farts or have any uh, stupid moments. They had a really, really bad <laughs> brain fart and stupid moment in the second extra time as things start going down. Uh, just go right to it, 116th. So 
already almost over, like four minutes before the thing is done. And as MJ alluded to, it's Petkovic. Um, great uh, counter through the midfield. The wings are running down. Uh, it's it, it's kind of similar, actually, to the uh, the Dutch goal that was scored on the United States, in fact, because they, they pass back. And it, for such a good tournament that uh, Casimiro has had, I think it might have just been exhaustion or, again, the brain farts. He is wide open to just one-time that thing. Um, there's nothing Allison, Allison can do. He's it, It's in the net. One one almost mirror image of that of that Netherlands goal on the U.S. Yeah. with the, with the diagonal yeah. back pass and the ball watching and, and like people not seeing the, the trailer the trailer coming in. Yeah, I, I put in here yeah. Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, like all all three of them. It's just like that's that's all it took was to have, was one brain farter just to play 15 minutes clean yeah. and they couldn't pull it off. Uh, they, I, will, I will say the uh, <clears throat> so the ball deflects off of Marquinhos's thigh ass cheek, something like that. So it, just, it gets enough <laughs> of the deflection. Right. Um, Allison still almost makes the save. The dude, yeah, he does almost get he it. Was, he was, you know, he was just, you know, maybe three or four inches away. Um, if that ball is not deflected, he makes the save. Or he at, least, he at least punches it out or, you know, deflects it out. Whether Croatia is able to finish, who knows. But, um, you know, basically he just needed another two or three inches. He got a good jump on the ball. Um, his positioning was great. It's just, it's just that slight deflection off of Marquinhos's um, beefy Brazilian thigh, and <laughs> was enough to uh, to put in the back of the back of the net. We call those the bundaso. Rodrigo knows that one. Um, so at that point, it was it was very close to ending, which it did. So we are going to penalties. Um, I was texting with one of my cousins, and she, for whatever reason, is like, "Oh yeah, this is good. We're we're gonna win it in penalties, like in '94." And I'm just like, um, "Are we watching the same game? Like, this this dude Lavakovic, this keeper has been standing on his head. He's super warm." Like I, I don't want a piece of this guy right now. This guy is—he like was just in the penalty fire. shootout. <laughs> that too, exactly. <laughs> it yes. made like three saves. So yes, yes, and and that would in fact be the case. Um, the first one, Rodrigo just takes a, a terrible, terrible shot. Very weak. Very easy for him to save. Um, I remember how it all pans out, but of course, the one that that's the Brazilian press is just obviously blasting nonstop and. They're gonna they're gonna crucify Marquinhos on it. Was he he goes up to take what could have kept them in and shoots it, bonks the post, and and that's it. It's it's Croatia, um, four to yeah. two I believe on the on the PKs. Uh, it's it's a tough loss. Uh, it sucks to go out in PKs. Um, you know, but uh, Croatia. What can you say? I mean, this this team is is so they're duro. They're tough. They're resilient. They're they don't always they don't always play like the prettiest game, but I, you're, I think your uh, comment in our group chat, uh, Dave, was so spot on. Like you said, you said you got to kill them in regulation time, and I think that's <laughs> spot on. Like they're they're zombies. Like they they feed on time. They feed mm. on on more emotion, and as things get what you know what what would be tougher for a, a regular human, like they feast on it, and they somehow they they find more energy and they find more focus and. You know, they've been here in all these stressful situations before, just like the last match, too. But also, that's how they got to the, the last World Cup final, too, in 2018. They got they had a bunch of PKs and stuff, too. They got that, that, that experience. Go ahead. Yep. I was say for the, the you know, we, we, I think we talked, we, I think we joked about them being the old team in the tournament. <clears throat> and yeah. they are, but they're not, but I think we underestimated how much that experience would be helpful. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, 
I think Croatia Morocco. We talked about like what were the shittiest games, uh, you know, in the in the first, you know, the first round of matches. I think that Croatia Morocco game. Um, I think it was the first. What was it? The second. 4 a.m. game. I think it might have been the second 4 a.m. game. That game was just fucking terrible. And both those teams, <laughs> spoiler, are in the semifinals. Um, yeah. With Croatia, I say with Croatia, they the last four matches in 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 World Cup play that have gone to extra, that have gone to extra time, they've won. I think three of the four on penalties. Like, yeah, if you don't kill Croatia, it's um, and bury them and go to their funeral and dance on their grave <laughs> and uh, and and pour one out for pour one out for your homies. Like, if you don't do all yeah. of that shit. Croatia's gonna beat you in extra time, so yes. that's yes, just how right. that's just how things are. So um, I think what's Matt, incredible about this too is they came out of that same group with Belgium and Canada, and I think most of us picked Belgium and Canada, and here they are in the from that same group in the semifinal. That is right. a rarity. Like the last time I put in here, I remember 2002 because it was Brazil and Turkey, but this might be the only two times in the history of the World Cup that's happened. And maybe there's another listeners you can let us know, but. It is not common for probably two in the same yeah, group to make it all the way. Yeah, probably in like in sort of like the more modern, like you know, group stage into straight into knockout rounds, um, where you don't do like second, you know, second groups and stuff like that. You're you're probably right. Or, I mean, it's definitely not a, a common occurrence. That's that's no, for damn sure. So not at all. There there were some really lovely moments that I, I don't know how the U.S. Uh, coverage. Put, uh, presented it, but the Brazilian press did some good stuff actually. And uh, Telemundo too picked it up. Where um, I don't know if you guys saw Modric and Rodrigo, Rodrigo, when they were they had a nice moment and they're nice. communicating in Spanish. They're you know Real Madrid teammates, and and it was very tender. You know, there's there's like a, like you were, you mentioned Dave, they're older. There's like a 17 year old difference I think between the two of them, and he's basically telling him you know he calls him Mijo, which is actually kind of really special like kind of out of tear my like my son um and he just says you're going to be stronger you'll have your time it's i'm getting emotional just thinking about it it, it was it was very nice wait wait, wait. Um, can, can you lip read in spanish here you can hear him oh okay There's, there was a camera close enough or or a phone or whatever that you can hear yeah. a little bit of the audio i mean it's not strong but um you can hear it yeah Whew. i'll say the, and then yeah, the other the one, one <laughs> sorry the one uh the one thing we didn't mention is Neymar was um, theoretically going to be the fifth penalty taker, so he didn't even get a chance to take his penalty. Didn't even get a chance based on chance. that, which is you know there's obviously oh. a lot of debate on on whether your you know your best penalty taker should go first, who should go first. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that when we talk about another one's Argentina because both the captains stepped up and went first right away. But yeah, right. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the other one that you you brought to mind was um, you know Neymar is being consoled by by somebody I can't remember and Perisic's son comes up to Neymar because I mean of course these are the kids idols too you know what I'm saying his dad just yeah. knocked him out but he's like yo I want Neymar's autograph <laughs> right yeah he uh, sure likes Neymar way more than his dad for sure that's right so he goes up to him to I don't, I don't know if you want the autograph or just to like comfort him and then Neymar just embraces him and they have this this really tender moment too so so getting those you know bittersweet moments out of it was actually really lovely I think and you know it sucks to be out but uh like you said, got to kill them in regulation, zombies. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk very quickly about our first sponsor. We're, I'm actually I recorded an interview with Podium where um, earlier today with uh, Reed, the founder, and Brian, the, the soccer guy um, at Podium where. So we're going to probably throw that in um, as a, a short, maybe 50, 10 or fifteen minute interview. Um, <clears throat> but if you're responding, check out Podium Wear, um, PodiumWear.com. It's made in Minnesota, local designs. 
local customer service. You're going to hear from them specifically, but uh, I thought this is a good place for um, the ads because those Brazil and Croatia shirts are, are, are really iconic, um, iconic World Cup uh, uh, kits. So um, yeah, check out Podium Wear if you, uh, if you need uh, something for your soccer team. Um, full kits, you know, just other, you know, durable, high quality gear that's going to last for years. I was actually wearing my, one of my podium wear jerseys. I bought like five, four years ago, five years ago. It still like fits like brand new, you know, it doesn't stretch out. Um, so yeah, so just check them out. Um, you can talk to Brian, um, at podiumware.com, Brian at podiumware.com or give him a call at 651-895-4559. And we'll hear from those two dudes, uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Um, but we're going to wait. So we're going to skip the second game on Friday. We're going to, um, we're going to wait because we want Rodrigo on that one. <clears throat> and let's jump in and talk um, Morocco, Portugal, the first game on Saturday morning. Um, unfortunately, I had to miss half of this game because I had a, <clears throat> a board meeting that I was chairing at uh, 10 a.m. <laughs> every second Saturday, which kind of fucks my soccer schedule a little bit. Um, so, but I was able to at least have, keep an eye on the game. Just didn't have any sound on. So this is again, Morocco um, taking on a uh, another Iberian um, opponent, and uh, they they own the peninsula now. It's the yeah, yeah. that way. Oh, oh my God, Caliphate! I put yeah, it in here. Yeah, Caliphate's coming. Alert. Yeah, party like it's seven hundred eighty, baby. Yeah, the, the, the Moors are, ta- are taking over, and and you know we'll talk about their uh, their upcoming opponent because they're just going to keep moving up and uh, take the Gauls as well. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, this game ends Morocco one, Portugal zero. Um, who wants to sort of uh, talk a little bit about how this game shaked out? Again, we had Ronaldo on the bench, which was uh, we did. He did oh, not chef's start. kiss. You know, you can start. Uh, no, MJ, no, go I, ahead. Like someone else do the commentary, but I, I, I just want to say briefly that I was at Ninth Street, and the racial diversity in Ninth Street soccer was off the charts. You had these teams that were were like playing pickup there that were coming to watch the game after their, their pickup at the ninth street uh, soccer location. And they were East African, West African. And then there was a white girl in a Moroccan shirt. And I had to interview her and just say, why are you cheering for Morocco? She worked in the Peace Corps and served there for like five years in, in Morocco, like with the Peace Corps. And then there's these other two gals that um, we're both uh, appreciating my commentary during the match. I just asked, like, hey, if you want to follow my work, here's what I do for Soda Soccer. And, uh, you know, got their Twitter handles. Turns out one has bylines for Sanhan Sahan Journal and the other one has bylines for MinPost. Nice. <clears throat> no, yeah. hold, hold on to those. <laughs> Look at you, buddy. Look at you, buddy, making making journalism friends. Good yeah, stuff. Re, re, recent graduates, but like they were trying to downplay it. But I was just awesome. Like, wait a minute. No, you guys actually write about legit things. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like important shit. Like, like anyway. But, that's awesome. Uh, they were cheering for Morocco as well, not because they're Moroccan, but they are Middle Eastern. And so, yeah. you know, by the extension of Arabia, you know. Yeah, like, there's. There's a lot of that, a lot of uh, of the Arab world definitely cheering on Morocco, and, and rightfully so, honestly. So um, in Arabic, Morocco is Al Maghrib, and Al Maghrib basically, uh, or the full name is like the farthest west of of the Arab nation, if you will. <laughs> That's what it means is the farthest west. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, it was it was just 
cool to chat chat with them and and you know it was just all there were very few people there not cheering for Morocco so it was, that's it was pretty cool <clears throat> yeah that was the uh, that was the, the general vibe at the black heart where I was too so I can kind of <clears throat> briefly talk about the first half um so I was able to yeah, actually I didn't watch take a lot of notes but watch so that um yeah so one thing I'll say about Morocco is that they don't play the most attractive brand of soccer <laughs> Um, however, they're not a, they're also not like a park the bus, just a, like absorb, absorb, absorb and counter. Um, you know, obviously they have, um, Arkif Hakim and, and, uh, Hakim Zich. So they have, you know, they have some, some good players. They have players that are, are well-known, you know, on the, on the European continent as well. Um, <clears throat> so, but again, it's just, it's just a, I don't know, it's not a very, um, they are, you know, probably the feel good. They're definitely right now that the still the feel good story of the tournament that's still ongoing, Absolutely. obviously. Um, and it would be just awesome uh, to see, you know, an African team uh, win the World Cup, the first ever African team to win a World Cup. That would be amazing as well. But I just there's not there's something about the aesthetic of watching Moroccan soccer that I just don't like. That goal, mm-hmm. notwithstanding, that the goal in the 42nd minute um, was, you know, just a brilliant piece of work by El Naziri. Um, it's a long cross. Um, the Portugal, the Portuguese defender, I can't remember who, which one it was. It was Pepe, but he just kind of like um, misplays the ball, and then uh, Naziri was able to get up and just head it down. Uh, he got up, post. up though. He got yeah. He got yeah. High. High. It was a great, like, <clears throat> great goal. Um, it's uh, just sort of an amazing, amazing play. Just great reading of the ball too, like to to let the defender sort of make the make the mistake. And then he, yeah, he was able to just had some massive, massive hops. Um, so what, what I thought was amazing. I, I don't think, I think it was one of the Telemundo commentators mentioned that he plays for Sevilla. He did not score or has not scored yet in the current La Liga campaign, zero goals and has well, probably the goal of his life. In the right. World Cup. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, so that, uh, that took us into halftime. And again, basically I said, I, I, was it in the back room at the Blackheart watching on TV and not, not really paying attention to the audio or anything. So any specific things you want to highlight from the second half? It looks like Morocco just sort of at this point tried to bunker down and just, and, and sneak out of there with a, with a one nothing victory. So, but again, yeah, you know, um, the, one, the one comment yeah. I want to make is that similar actually to, to Croatia in a lot of ways, when you watch that, when we watch their defensive shape and their midfield, when they get connected like that, they move like an amoeba, and they're so hard to break. And Portugal just was struggling, trying to get through. And ball stolen here, passes intercepted there. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I refuse to predict anymore. I've, all my predictions have been absolute shit for this particular World Cup. But a Morocco-Croatia battle would be fascinating because they have kind of similar defensive styles. Um, fascinating or, or... for who? Like nobody – like. <clears throat> The ball say, or, or, just going or back boring. and forth between players or, or, boring or, what? or boring as hell. Yeah. Um, but, but no, but a well it, it, orchestrated it's, defense it's a, is a beautiful thing. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. That's Listen, what I, I don't to. disagree as the goalkeeper. Yes. I like it. A well orchestrated, uh, coordinated defense. However, as a, as a neutral observer, um, I want fucking goals, man. I want shots on net. <laughs> you, you know what they say? Offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships. Um, they do. Take the long ball. Let's uh, let's let's put some uh, respect on Bono too. The other Bono, uh, mm-hmm. just is that how you pronounce it? Bono, 
it's it's actually spelled b-o-u-n-o-u but uh -huh. they yeah. just abbreviate it on the on the jersey or his nickname is it's, i think it's, it's, his nickname bono. is bono people call him bono so oh, really? yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay i mean so, it's, anyway. it's, it's probably pronounced bono or something like that you know, i would i would yeah. wager so well, the other bottle yeah. is probably fine to have him as as the namesake right now, as well as he's doing, because he he had some ridiculous saves and stood on his head. Um, actually, I put in here. Well, there's a there was like a bunch of in uh, secession here, um, but in the ninety first, uh, I don't I don't remember when you know the the one guy that rhymes with Schmonaldo comes on, but it's a one v one, and I think at that point everybody's just like, God damn it, here's here's the equalizer, and it has to be him. Nope, Bono snuffs him out takes him down or doesn't take uh, him down but whoever him. number 11 is for portugal i can't even remember right now anyway but yeah he he had a just this great left-footed curler that looked like it was going in yes i do remember that now and, and for another uh, great stop yeah i seen Benu. uh that was that was the one before it i think it's like the 82nd i think um i don't know how to pronounce it exactly but he was born in montreal so like oh, i think it's yeah seen Benu. but yeah uh also oh, played Joao Felix uh, was the one who had the shot for Portugal. Yep. Uh, it was a beautiful shot. It was yeah. a beautiful shot. You know, it, uh, great it, save. It, yeah, great fucking save. There's a red card. Kadira uh, does that little stomp. So he's well, out. He just he just got a yellow card a minute before. That was he the did, second yellow. Did. So. It didn't look like that. Yeah, that's what it was, the second yellow. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, yeah it, but it was definitely a stop. I mean, I saw that I was watching – I said I was watching, trying to finish up the my board meeting, and I'm just, and I'm just like trying to mute myself so I can yell at the TV to like, what are you doing? Like stomping on the the dude. Well, so, and the yeah. amazing thing is, so they go down a man, and they still press though. They still go on an attack like right away, a man down. I was I was pretty impressed yeah. with that. It, it didn't come to anything, but I was just like, all right, you guys are just still gonna pick those moments and go for it. All right. Um. So there, there there's your final. I mean, Pepe had a, a close to something there towards the end, but. You know, regardless of what happens in here, like like you already said, Dave, history has been made. There's never been a, a cough team that's ever made it to the semifinal. So, you know, they're, they're I, I was my daughter and I were talking about this today, and she was explaining why it's so important. And I said, well, it's it's important for the country, but it's even more important for the entire confederation. They're they're carrying Africa right now. They're carrying the MENA, the Middle Eastern North African world. They're carrying like hundreds of millions of people from very very diverse eclectic cultures and languages like it, nobody with it, with that kind of an identity especially tied to the greater uh arabic world has has ever made it this far before so it's uh an african for that matter it's it's <laughs> iberian i mean they're they're yeah. taking over the world they're, they're, they're taking back what was once theirs they're slowly, it's, slowly moving north yeah it's, it's it's the recon the reverse reconquista <laughs> I mean, nice. if you had to pick a better, like, hist casual history pod storyline from Morocco to, to, to run a gauntlet of Spain, Portugal, and France, you can't write a better script than that. No, you can't. It's incredible. No. I mean, like... And then I they mean, get, they get uh, like, smote, uh, smote by uh, Argentina and Messi. <laughs> no, so, I put out the MJ Stupid poll about which of the group stage colonizer colonizee matches has the most like energy or the most hype for however you wanted to define that and uh it was not voted very many times but dan wade and i both agreed it should have been france tunisia and mm. the reason 
the reason why more than Spain, Costa Rica, and and more than <laughs> U.S. England of way more than that, you know, like U.S. and England are basically friends now for on the global stage for most things. So like, it's how recent France colonized North Africa and how much their military is still occupying a lot of the North African uh, subcontinent and and how much. Yes, they help keep Gaddafi out, but you look at the way North Africans are treated in France, like how like how their immigrant population lives and where they get to go to school. And yeah, it's it's not good. Um, so it's uh, and, and yet and yet their entire uh, football team is based probably like a third on North African first or second generation yeah. players. <laughs> Especially that, that the, the first ninety eight team. The the benefits of colonization, right? You exactly. Take, you can exactly. take their footballers too. So anyway, yeah, I I don't want to. Uh, the, oh, I, I, is, I think you're spot on. It's important and it's it's, it's a, really it's fascinating. A, yeah, gosh, this is a important match. Um, only one goal conceded in the entire cup, and it was a fucking own goal. I mean, that's that's a story in itself too. It's, uh, it's, I was just gonna say the <clears throat> the xg that they've had from their games has been four point eight. So they've. They should have conceded about five goals, but uh, Bono, to his to your to your point, Eric, he's been standing on his head the entire tournament, um, including in a penalty shootout in the last round against Spain. So um, he's you know he's used to a penalty shootout. So that's just that is bonkers. Uh, I I threw my fun fact in here. Uh, Haji Wright has as many knockout round run of play goals as Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo combined. So. <laughs> That's funny. Um, who knows if Ronaldo um, will make it to the next one in, in the U.S. Um, he would be, what, 41, I think, or 40 um, for that tournament. So, I, you know, I think most people are thinking this is his last one, but who the hell knows? It's it's Portugal. And he scores, maybe if, he after go, he, if he goes go and scores 60 goals in the Arab League every year for the next three and a half years. Yeah, maybe, that's what I was going to say. <clears throat> make, maybe he'll be in it. Quarter of a billion or whatever it is. Yep, yep. So, all right. Anything else on Morocco, Portugal, MJ, or Eric? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. Like they, they are truly the feel good story. Like people were calling them like the Cinderella or the underdog story. And like, man, there's nothing Cinderella about this team. They, they came and they, they won the fucking group and then they just kept winning. <laughs> I mean, they, they just, they had a plan. And like you said, yeah, it's not the prettiest style to watch, but um, you know, Rodrigo always talks about, what does he say? He talks about identity and um I'm trying to like think of, he, he always has like this, this list that he says identity and urgency right and that's this team identity and urgency the um i was having a conversation with um some of uh, uh, uh bruce mcguire and a couple other old school dark clubs at the black heart um, in between the the morocco Por- uh, portugal game and the england france game and actually someone brought up he's like because we're talking about, you know, teams, you know, when, you know, if the U.S. could win the World Cup and when that might be, if that's going to be in our lifetimes, things like that. And someone um, but brought up was like, basically, he's like, Morocco is probably the best comp for the U.S. team. Like right now in the kind of in the world in terms of like they have some good players that play in European leagues that are like, you know, known players that play, you know, decent positions. But really, it's about to your point, it's about identity um, and it's about urgency. and you know, um, you know, I don't think the U.S. quite found. I've, I've seen Greg, Greg Berhalter had a particular identity he wanted to play. I don't think, I think the U.S. got most of the way there. I don't think they got fully there. 
Um, and then sort of like when they needed the sort of that urgency kind of was lacking. And you see what happens with a team like Morocco. It's like if they just have, you know, identify that and can and can ramp it up. Um, I think the Moroccan, um, you know, sort of the, the better Moroccan players are a little bit older than the U.S. players. So, you know, 2026 is like, you know, we haven't sort of we didn't do a really a big postmortem on the U.S. team. And I, I don't we're not going to just because that would be a waste of time. There's plenty of other much more highly educated um, U.S. soccer specific podcasts that do that. but Right. It, it really was that really struck a struck a nerve with me or and not really a nerve it was like kind of like a light bulb like yeah, actually yeah. morocco I, is a team that we are that we probably most we, that's should most of not not the netherlands not any other sort of those you know in the 9 10 11 you know the, you know the Croatia. i mean the croatia is maybe but you know the croatia still has you know it, it's sort of a being a newer country so has a long soccer history with yugoslavia and, and everything so like they're still we're not quite at that point yet but a lot of the moroccan players um, I believe this is the team that had the most um, outside of Qatar. So I think it was the team in the, in the knockout rounds that had the most sort of like non-Moroccan, you know, players who were born in Morocco, right? They had a lot of people that, you know, had Moroccan, you know, citizenship, passports through their parents or whatever. And, and obviously the U.S. has a lot of that too. So there's a, you think, the more you think about it, the weirder, the, the you know, the, the better the analogy kind of even comes together. So, yeah, I think you're right. Also, um, like everyone loves Casablanca as a film, right? So here's looking <laughs> at you, so kid. <laughs> um, if, if there's a listener currently uh, tuning in I, and, and you you picked this team to go to the semifinal, I think I can speak for everybody here when I said we would want to interview you. Because I want to hear, <laughs> like, from a month ago, I, I want to know what that starting logic was and what you saw and why you're so much more brilliant than all of us. But I, I just, I, I just want to understand the, the path and the logic because – it's incredible because there's somebody out there that when the groups were picked, we didn't even pick Morocco going through the goddamn group and they're in the semifinal. Somebody said, yeah, they're, they're going to win the group and they're going to go to the semifinal. And so if you're listening and that's you, please get in touch. We want to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Well, it seems like a great opportunity to drop our, we'll drop our interview in with, uh, with Brian or my, my interview with Brian and Reed um, talk a little bit about uh, podium wear and, uh, and all that stuff. So, um, if you want, definitely check it out. Um, we'll be about probably about 15 minutes or so, and then we'll be back to talk the rest of the uh, quarterfinals. All right, and welcome to a uh, special portion of the podcast. We have uh, Reed and Brian of Podiumware. Um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do here and, and a little bit about Podiumware. Sure, sure. Thanks, David. Uh, I'm Reed Luter, uh, founder and owner of Podiumware. Uh, I started the company in 2003. Uh, basically trying to put the fun back into uniforms and we started with skiing but I have a long history of soccer going back to the 80s being a uh, NSAL fan of the um, kicks and uh, playing myself and, and and a big fan of the French team since the 80s so we started doing soccer about six seven years ago and and it's our largest growth market and super fun to work in cool thanks uh, yeah, and I'm Brian Schall, uh, soccer up here at Podiumware. I, I grew up in town playing since I was a kid and um, uh, look forward to, you know, in being a part of Podiumware and growing our soccer business. We do a lot of cool stuff here, cool designs that I've uh, seen since I've started. Fun to be part of somewhere we can do something cool and unique that isn't, you know, kind of kind of plain. So it's uh, fun to be in the, involved in the creative process and look forward to hopefully, uh, you know, just kind of mixing soccer and 
and uh, the creative stuff we can do here and growing our presence in soccer. Cool. Yeah, well, I'm actually wearing a podium wear uh, soccer jersey looking right handsome. now. Yeah, <laughs> our Midway Wanderers, uh, the local or a group of us in the Midway, um, all got together we, with uh, Open of Allianz and um, a buddy of ours created the, sh- created the design and sent it to you guys. You guys worked through it. He actually, you guys, I think I believe gave him like three or four different designs and we all voted on it. So this is the one we ended up picking, which is pretty cool. Kind of the loon feather is, the, is like the, the motif behind it or whatever. So maybe talk a little bit about what that process looks like for somebody who's interested in um, working with Podium Wear to get, you know, soccer jerseys or apparel or whatever for their team or club or fan group like I did. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I think the the first thing is, is 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 the best thing and the hardest thing is that we can do anything. So we make the jerseys right here in our St. Paul factory where we actually take white fabric, we dye it, we cut it, we sew it. So there are no limits to the design. You know, um, what excites me is uh, watching, like watching the World Cup and we all have opinions about all those different kits, but th- uh, all those kits are sublimated now. When you went back pre the South Africa World Cup, everything was still cut and sew, dyed, and there weren't people weren't able to be creative with those designs. You know, you look at the World Cup kits right now; every one of those kits has some subtle design that, as you see it from afar, it might just look a certain color, but then you look closer. There's details. We can do all of that for your club, for your fan. Uh, group or whatever and, and that's just it's fun our, our designers actually love putting in those little details you know yeah that's super cool I think as a as a guy who grew up playing I remember as a kid I, I must have been 15 16 in town here when everyone had you know Nike and Diodora back then and and Miter and Puma and um, I'm not even sure Nike was that big back in the late 80s <laughs> early 90s in the soccer sphere at least they were coming in but we we were the only one in town who had the Hummel kits. This would have been late okay. 80s, early 90s <clears throat> after that. Um, Holland team, I think in 88, made a run to the European final. Right. <clears throat> uh, and they had those sweet orange kits. Um, and uh, so we had these, we, we kind of, we loved them as, as kids. And we had these blue and green kind of Holland motifed Hummel kits. And we're the only one in town that had Hummel. And at the time, it was just, it was like cool to be different, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things I love about being here is, you know, you, you, you see a lot of the clubs all wearing the same stuff here, you know? And uh, we can come up with anything you want where everyone knows from two fields over <laughs> that that's your club. Like, you're just different. Right. And on top of that, um, it's durable stuff. Uh, there's no minimums for reorder, so you need a few extra jerseys the next year. Like, we just have a lot of cool things that we do outside of being able to be super creative and um, helping your club make a statement. Yeah, for sure. Maybe talk us a little bit through the process of, of someone has come to you, they know they want to do a jersey. What, is that, what does that look like from step one until they get the jerseys in hand? Sure, sure. I think the, you know, the first thing is we'll talk with a, with a club and, and, and kick around some ideas. Uh, a customer will then start in order and we'll actually put them in direct communication with our graphic design department and we'll say what are your influence what do you you know what do you want this to look like what do you what's your your dream kit what's your you know what's your conservative kit and we'll start putting together a home and away kit um, you know uh, basically a jersey and shorts and start working on that design that process uh, can be quick or it can be half a year depending on how much time uh, you want to spend on it the customer we we have no limit to how much time we're willing to to spend on it to make sure it looks right you know I mean it's um, you know we do all m- uh, many sports and and the 
the biggest challenge is making sure you take the time to make the design that makes you happy. Uh, and you aren't just trying to make a design to meet a deadline. Because especially with our kits that are so durable, you know, we, uh, we had a Blackhawks kit that they kept the same red kit for five seasons and kids who had bought them in season one were still wearing them in season five and they looked brand new. And because that team had spent the time with our designers uh, to really get the right look, they didn't have to replace it. Uh, and, you know, they had a unique look for, for five seasons. So that's really, you know, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to, I need to, I have this deadline. Uh, we only have three choices. Let's just quick pick something and get it out. Our designers really love to work with you. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter if you're design gifted or like me, you just sketch things on a napkin and say, <laughs> can you make that? Yep. Uh, we can work with either of that. Cool. And I think that's so design gets started. Once it's done uh, and approved, then we, we get information out to the clubs so that each kid uh, will we'll load the rosters up on our site. And then each kid can go on and order their own kit. Uh, it'll end up being delivered to their house before their first uh, uh, game or tournament. And the coaches also have the option, coaches and managers, of going on and seeing who's ordered, who hasn't ordered, who do we have to bug. So basically from the beginning when you just have this idea of, man, I really liked that kit, you know, Morocco kit from the, the World Cup and let's do something like that to, uh, hey, we're starting play, uh, you know, on, in May. Uh, on all the kits just showed up at my house. We we aim to make it easy and fun. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, I think what people re uh, that's the fun is the most important part. I mean, I think when people reach out, um, it, it normally you it, the process is something that should be fun and enjoyable, and that's what we try to make it. You know, you're creating something from scratch that represents your club. So um, that's kind of yeah. As Reed said, that's kind of the first thing we talk about is you know, hey, what you know? Do you have a badge? Do you have a do you have a crest? What does that look like? You know, what are some of the unique things about your club? Where are you from? What can we represent in the jersey? Whether it's a, a wing motif because you're a, a fan of the loons or, or, or something similar. Certain colors you have. You know, certain teams you maybe want to replicate or, or kind of model off of. I mean, it's a fun process. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I hope it's not intimidating at all because we have people who can help you. Uh, Reed <coughs> and I are the same. You know, we, we I can think of you know kits i like or i i think oh hey yeah what he's describing is you know uh you know river plate or something like that but um but then we got dude, we got guys in the back room who are so sharp and so creative and it's really fun cool um so uh, that's kind of the first process we just work through that that fun part of the process and you know we try to make it easy once we lay out some initial designs after our initial conversations Customers can just go in and, and log in again and take a quick look and give us some quick feedback. Um, and, we, you know, we get it right the first time, get it right the fifth time, whatever. Cool. But, uh, yeah. We just we work through that, and that's all part of the process. Um, you know, there's no fee up front to do that. That's fun. Uh, and then, obviously, we hope you love what you what you come up with. Um, we know you will because um, some of the stuff I've seen that we do design-wise is uh, amazing. Some of the stuff – uh, customers say no to like I would say yes to it <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. so cool so um, but that's okay we're open to all that stuff and then uh, you know we do everything online people order direct uh, we ship direct if you want there's so many options to make make it simple that we always try to keep the word fun 
in our minds when we're, when we're going through the process. <coughs> it can seem intimidating, but it's really not. Once yeah. you get into it, it's really enjoyable, really fun to be part of. I know from my end, you know, I love being involved in those conversations and seeing what the guys and customers come up with through the process. Cool. Yeah. What is like if, if you had to pick like a, a you know, it's, you know, they're all your babies or whatever. What, is there a particular one uh, jersey you made in the last few years that you might you highlight? People see it out in the wild. I know. Um, I really like the Dakota, their gray jersey. Dakota okay. um, is a soccer club that the South St. Paul merged with, um, I think, Invergrove, Invergrove. Uh, okay. a couple years ago and formed Dakota. And we'd been doing South St. Paul for a while. Uh, and their gray jersey um, uses, uh, is it looks like just a gray jersey if you're kind of, you know, across the field from it. But once you get up close, it has feathers that go throughout the whole thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and uh, it's just, it's one of those really fun things that is a detail that uh, you can add in sublimation that you can't if you're just cutting and sewing. And I think that's, you know, for me, uh, it's all about, like Brian said, it's bringing that fun back to the uniform ordering. It used to be, like when I was a kid, I would sketch designs all the time. I, you know, as I said before, I was a big fan of the '84 French team, and I would sketch little variations of what what my Marion Park team should look like <laughs> right. with that. You know, oh, it would basically was the French team, and I like change one color. But you know, designing uniforms is is a super should be a super fun thing, and what it's become is like the person who draws a short end of the stick has to deal with the uniforms. That's not, you know, we want to go back to that fun of being a kid with your sketch pad and being like, what, what can we imagine? What right. can we look like? That's you know? cool. So, and that's, yeah. And Dakota did a great job with that. And that was a, a long process with our, where we were working with them on their new badge because they had a new club. Uh, we were working with them on that, that design and it went through iterations and took some time, but right now, you know, they look real sharp out there. Yeah. Those are cool. We, we also make a kit for um, a black kit for an organization called soccer youth. That puts events on all over the country, um, and I was down in Dallas last month, and I I'd seen it, you know, in in the shop. But I was down in Dallas last month at one of their events and saw the kids wearing it. Cool. Um, it's called Soccer Youth. You can look it up online. They do a great job with pictures and everything. But man, it's awesome. It's got some sweet detail, kind of some black and gold, and it's just it's a really fun kit, and I think shows off a lot of what our capabilities are. Um, but that, I think that's my favorite one I've seen. We actually. <laughs> I have a lot of designs that we've done too. Like I wish they were out in the wild. <laughs> right. We did yeah. one last week that um, for a customer that I thought was so awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, you know. We'll get it uh, out there. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> I got to sell something like that to somebody. It was so cool. There's like so many details and colors and shapes. It's really fun. Well, you guys did mention that you're um, you ship you know anywhere. So anybody from around the country, um, world, I guess probably too. You can order yeah. uh, gets yeah. from you guys. Um, but you're all based here in St. Paul, right? We're actually sitting in your. Uh, conference room in your St. Paul office. How you know that's? I mean, obviously, it seems like you guys are both local guys, as as am I. We're in St. Paul here, and how, how important is that for you guys to be a local company, doing everything in house locally as much as as much as humanly possible? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 really important to just being able to see the quality of of what we're putting out there. You know, I mean, and it's also an environmental impact. You know, what we're looking at is a when I started the company, it's like I want to be able to be sure that everything that leaves is up to my standards. That, that goes out the door B, you know I want people working on it that care about it uh, and so we've everyone pretty much everyone we've hired does one of our sports that we make uh, stuff for and then the, the, the last thing was like yeah we are you know it, it's becoming more everyone's becoming more environmentally aware that we can't just burn through our clothes and throw away our stuff so 
let's make sure we're making durable uh, you know, uniforms that can last for seasons. And, and like I mentioned, five season use for the, for the Blackhawks. You know, we have a ski teams that come back eight, nine years later and they're like, can you replicate this? We're like, wow, that suit lasted for nine <laughs> wow. seasons. Yeah. And you know that it, it's just, uh, it's, it's not a throwaway piece. It's not a fast fashion piece. It's something that, that we want to last longer. And, and again, that's just, we know what we control everything in our own factory. We can see everything. We know what we're doing. And just right now outside there's, trucks putting up uh, solar power so by this time next year or next month everything will also be solar powered here in the factory so we're really really trying to reduce our impact sure it's still you know we're still working with polyesters but you know we're trying to to do our part cool yeah i think i would add that it 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 makes us different you know there aren't many um and different in a good way like there aren't any that many manufacturers making stuff in the United States. So, and for, you know, for most of our listeners here today who are local in Minnesota, uh, we're making it right in your backyard. Like you're supporting local folks and and we're going to support you. Um, Of course we can, you know, do business anywhere in the country and and internationally, but uh, the fact that we're making it, you know, it's your neighbors making your stuff. I mean, that's important to us Um, as as we, you know, go through the process and design and all that. We want to cap it off by, you know, having our guys in our building making your gear, right? So, guys and gals. So, um, the quality's, I think, unique, too. Like, I mean, I've been around a lot of the other manufacturers for a lot of years with my stuff and my kids' stuff and see what they wear. And then, you know, to see the stuff that's coming out of our um, shop downstairs um, and hear the stories of how long it lasts. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, we're here to support you for the next order. If you got a kid who grew out of it, we can easily make you one. Our lead times are short. Once you place your order, we'll tell you exactly the date it's going to ship by. Like, all that stuff is in your control. So um, between quality and the service that you get from having us make it downstairs and, um, you know, the environmental impact that Reed talks about, we're not shipping containers across the ocean <laughs> all the time. I mean, there's just right. a lot of benefits <laughs> to it. Um, right. But I think just being a part of our community is important to us and as we grow you know we're, we're doing a lot more in the sponsorship realm and trying to be involved in tournaments that you guys are putting on and you know clinics that you guys are putting on and that all just comes from being part of the community and so it, it all kind of ties together cool all right what's your favorite kit from this world cup from the, the countries i've participated <clears throat> i mean it, it sounds it's, it's cheating because the France kit isn't really <laughs> awesome, <laughs> but I—I I mean that, that that blue color, I yeah, that it blue, really pops. Yeah, and and I do actually love the gold on it, and and just that subtle—they have the subtle details in there, you know. Um, it's not wild, but it 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 has a classic sense, but it still is, you know, it's still cool. And and, and I think you know Croatia always—I I love what they do. Yeah, with their you know <laughs> their checks and their uh, and their flag and and. I think this year's kit wasn't quite as good as the last kit, last World Cup, <laughs> but you know, it's still it's still a fun kit. And yeah, they, and they're doing something fun with it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to. I, I've always loved the Argentina kit. I mean, it's just timeless. Yeah. Classic. Know, it's hard, yeah. It's hard to, yeah. I mean, I love the. It is cool that you know some some of those countries are just no like the Brazil with the yellow, blue, and white. Like it's yep. just it's just their thing. Right. Um, I thought Japan's. Dark Japan blue panda, the, the blue yeah. one was really cool. The, yeah. the Saudi Arabia green one was also yeah, really yeah, cool yeah, too. Yeah. Like there's some really great like sublimation that you could actually like yeah. make out you know from the, the TV screen. It's, yeah. So as you mentioned, sometimes it's hard. I mean, like when the loons do it with their stuff, it's like with the Adidas, it's like 
unless you're like right up close it's right. hard to see sometimes yeah, you know like sure. maybe like when they're like when the you know the tv when there's like sweating you can kind of yeah. glistens a well, little like bit but that brazil has that the yep. brazil yellow has some stuff but yeah, it's really yeah, hard to see yeah. yeah i don't know why too I, maybe just because it's different but uh, and morocco's kit isn't unique i think it's more just i like seeing them yeah right <laughs> they do look cool yeah right uh good color scheme too the red, yeah, red yeah, green yeah. and like black yeah see <laughs> something different have them ha- have success but i like the kind of the design across the chest they have it's a cool kit cool yeah. all right well that's point of the podcast now we have to make a prediction so um who you guys got winning the winning the winning the whole damn thing i think i've got argentina okay I, I do i think morocco could pull the upset and get there uh so i would go i think we're gonna have a argentina morocco final oh really okay argentina Gets there. That would be gets their third star. That'd be awesome. <clears throat> Messi going out like yeah. classic storybook ending, right? Yeah, yeah. Disney, yeah. Right, that, right? That Disney script up, just so. like Ronaldo. Go- oh no, wait. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah Ronaldo <laughs> crying out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Brian, who you, who you got winning? I, it's hard not to pull for Argentina just because of Messi. Um, I mean, I really want them to win. He's such a classy dude, and the pass, on, the assist on his goal last game was oh was yeah, awesome. brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Even, I mean, it's insane how. How he never even looked. Yeah, he never even looked. Yeah, um, but the rest of his team is bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just not, not. They're not bad. They just don't play well together. So That's weird, the though, thing. I guess so because it's to me it's the least talented and cohesive Argentina team I've seen in a long time. Yeah, but they just they're finding ways. They figured it out. Um, that said, uh, I thought France was relatively poor against England, and. I mean, other than Harry Kane skying it over, you know, they could have easily lost the game, but they right. did. They still found a way to win. Yeah, right. And they we're still in the lead. So um, I think if, pl- if France plays uh, up to their capabilities, I-, I don't see how they can win. So repeat World Cup winner, huh? Yeah. As long as it's not I, Croatia. I mean, I like Croatia, like their jerseys and stuff, yeah. but man, they like both them and Morocco would be fun, but Morocco plays I, such an anti soccer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is really kind of I, depressing yeah. to watch. But. I'm with you, though, but I can't pick Croatia because they don't win game they don't win the game like yes. they keep winning in penalties well you know game. you got it you got to kill croatia in, in regular time if you yeah. get to extra yeah. time <laughs> all right so uh, good luck with that yeah, so and i mean, I mean I, again love luka modric has been a oh, of course yeah of mine for, even though i'm much older than he is i've been an idol of mine for a long time but uh i just they bug me because they yeah. just win, <laughs> in, win in 90 minutes <laughs> right right just win awesome awesome all right anything else we should know about podium War, guys um other than you've been very gracious to sponsor the world cup podcast for the minnesota football show and Dave's, we're calling some the Minnesota Football Dave's is what we're calling it. So, all right, all right. so anything yeah, else we should I, know about Podium Wear? I, I, no, I'll they reach out to you if, you, if they want to want to get involved and, and get some get some uh, cool stuff from yeah, you guys. Um, give me a call uh, again. It's Brian at six five one eight nine five four five five nine, or you can email me at Brian with an I at PodiumWear And I guess I would just say, um, you know, give us a shot when your when your cycle's up, and you know, give me a call before that. I can talk to you a little more about what we can do, but. Um, I think you'd be impressed. Um, we're really trying to grow, so we're trying to be really aggressive and, you know, making sure we, we give you a great deal and we're involved in your community uh, as a partner. Um, so, you know, at where we can start, step one is just give us a shot. Give us a look. See what we're doing. Let me show you some stuff. Um, come by the shop. Take a tour. Um, cool. But, yeah, just instead of just calling the big guys all the time, give us a <laughs> look. I think you'd be really impressed as to what we can offer you and how we can make your club stand out from everybody who's wearing the same kit. Cool. Yeah, I just say, you know, come on down. Give us a call. Yeah. Uh, email. Look up our website. You know. Um, but yeah, and, and come see it being made. You know, it, it it's it's 
it's great to always see behind the curtain. Yeah. It's just normal people here <laughs> taking white rolls of fabric and turning it into an amazing kit. So yeah, for sure. Yep. We yeah. Very, very cool. Well, yep. guys, thank you so much again for sponsoring thank the podcast you. and uh and for spending some time with me today. And yeah, um yeah, let's go soccer, man. Yeah, yeah fucking World man. Cup. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Awesome. thanks, Dave. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh welcome back. And Rodrigo has finally joined us. Rodrigo, how are you doing, buddy? I I'm doing all right. You know, um feeling much better. Um, I don't know if the listeners need to know, but this is like my therapy session because I missed my therapy last weekend. <laughs> so I, I was in a car accident last weekend. So, uh, That's with right. the family and we were all, we all were able to walk away. And so yeah, glad you're okay. Everybody. Yeah. Happy. Well, you know, it's just a lot of muscle soreness and, you know, when you get old, certain things don't work as well as they used to you don't bounce you don't bounce back like a rubber band as well so yeah no i'm not i'm not ti i'm not the rubber band man anymore so, <laughs> so well, cool well besides like, that yeah yeah well we're glad everybody's okay and, and obviously that sucks but uh glad to have you back with us we saved the two juicy the two juiciest games for you buddy so you can you can uh you can go wild on on these two so um let's go back to uh friday uh, the second game of the day netherlands to argentina to uh, who wants to kick us off with uh, with this one? Um, I guess early. What was I seeing? It seemed like Argentina that kind of put the uh, pedal to the metal, and they were just taking it to Netherlands, just trying to hold their shape. Um, lots of chances. Uh, Messi gets a weak shot in early. DePaul gets a shot in, saved. Basically, we knew the goal was coming. Um, Netherlands just could not get any actual offensive momentum going. Uh, 35th minute, there it is, Molina. The goal is great. You know, he does it off, he does the little um, side foot, but this is this is the mess. We can't call it Messi's goal, but it is like a messy goal because <laughs> he does a, yes. he does a no look, no look, perfect pass right to dude's foot, and I think he's he's definitely got one defender on him. I think it, I mean, he might even be double covered. I can't remember, but he slides the ball just <laughs> to this. It, it, like well, geographically, it should not be or geographic ge geometrically, it should not be feasible. Messi had like six foot five or six foot seven Van Dyke right in front of him, and That's, he, he kind of yeah. like megs he megs Van Dyke, and then there's the um, Molina has a defender on him, and I think there's a defender between Van Dyke and Molina's defender. Yes, exactly. That's what it was. There's three it, of them, basically. It's incredible. It, it's like, yeah, it, it's like he just, there was like one millisecond of a, and then a, like a millimeter where he had to hit that ball to just peel through all three, all three guys. And, and again, he did it with your, your yeah. yeah. Listeners, if you haven't seen this goal, like he doesn't look at him at all. Yep. No look at all. He is like the entire time. It's it's actually, in fact, I mean, you know, you talked about sort of the goals of the tournament. Like, the, yeah, the, and yes, he definitely has to finish, make the finish, and all that. But um, truly, it, it really it, that doesn't happen without Messi. No, yeah. I, I think it's Beautiful. it's the equivalent of a of a top of the key no look bounce pass in basketball, literally for a slam dunk. That's literally what it is. It was a <laughs> statement. Yeah, it's like a Ruby, like a Ricky Rubio back when Ricky Rubio was at the, at the height of his powers. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we're, we're the equivalent of Argentinians and Spaniards. Yeah, I guess that would be the <laughs> the equivalent to that. But I, I think what was really interesting about this 
um, this game is that uh, Netherlands try to do exactly, at least in my opinion, try to try to use the same form of of attack in the sense of like they wanted to attack the flanks and make that a place where they wanted uh, Argentina to attack from, and and um, that was working for a while. But in in that goal, it, it was how they worked the ball from the flank to the middle, back to the flank, back to the middle, and that opened up enough space for Messi to be able to do what Messi does is, which is put you know i don't know matrix type of like accuracy uh passing to a player who hadn't scored a goal at all and a young player and it's just you know it, it was wonderful to be able to watch that but um you never know i mean that's the other thing is like this is why this is what you play the game because you never know what's going to happen and if anything's been this this world cup has been probably i don't know the most Crazy of all things, yeah. in the sense of telenovela. Yes, yeah, it's, it's chaotic <laughs> in a sense. Like we all love chaos, in a sense, and um, this has been the most satisfying when it comes to that. Like every scenario that you can possibly come up with to make this more dramatic and chaotic, it has um, it has it has delivered an entertainment. Um, so I don't know who FIFA paid or what Hollywood <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, <clears throat> That was, writers. that was Qatar, buddy. Qatar paid that in the two hundred twenty billion. <laughs> yes, yes, dude. Um, you know, to your point, Argentina just basically just dom- like almost thoroughly dominated this match for the first almost eighty minutes of the game. Um, yep. They just, you know, you know, but Netherlands could hardly do anything. Um, that would, I think it was like what the forty it was like the forty fifth or forty sixth minute when they. Finally had a shot on goal. Um, yes, right before halftime, Gakpo finally got a shot off. That was their one yeah. shot, I think, the entire half. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it just met this Argentina. And so this is like great as an Argentinian fan. I mean, I picked Argentina to win the thing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, good. Like, I, I like the Netherlands. Didn't like that they were sort of just getting their asses, like, you know, kicked all over the field. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Louis van Gaal, uh, van Gaal has uh, some weird, strange magic, which we'll talk about in a second. But, the um the second Argentinian goal uh, came from a penalty. Messi scores it from the spot. Um, this is from a foul um, on uh, uh, Cunha from uh, Dumfries taking yeah, him down. Dumfries takes him down. Correct. Right yeah, on the line and that there. That was a foul. Like. Oh yeah, no, it was hundred percent a foul. And um, Dumfries who had a really great game uh, against the U.S. The... Yeah, he did. Yeah. So. Not so not, not as much here. Uh but then <laughs> then I was gonna say we get we got the uh we got the Jesus pose and from from uh I didn't get to see this part live, so I'm gonna meet myself. You guys take it. Well, like the weirdest thing is just like you know, it's like this referee was like we can talk about the referee at one point and the fact that at one point after the game somebody um, went out and, and, and do different things, but just this, this, it was literally welcome to Coleman Ball, right? Like where where everything goes nuts. It's like it's like watching and um, just all the calls start seeing somehow going one way, one way more than the other, and I think the frustrations for the urgent evident, and um, Netherlands just. Who, the, who that was? Uh, was that uh, Weckhorst, right? As in the seventy six, right around that time, or seventy eight? Sorry, yeah, yeah, he was he was able to 
to put that in and it was just i mean you couldn't do anything about that that was a beautiful header and that well was a- that was yeah that was in the 83rd minute um the the like uh by car he comes in in the 78th minute oh that's um, right he gets a yellow right yeah yeah and he, he comes in with the yellow card he, he got a yellow comes in during with the, the yellow during the first fracas um between argentina and denmark the players um he got a yellow card Bengal right, decides he was on the bench. That's right. He was on the bench. Yeah. He got the yellow card from the bench. Bengal decides to put him in. And then for the last sort of 20 minutes of the of the game here, he's basically like, you know what, fucking A, Virgil van Dyke. Why don't you go play center forward? And it was just <laughs> a classic Manchester United, Louis van Hall, hoof it fucking forward as far as you can. Hope somebody right. puts a head on it. And maybe it falls to another guy or another guy can put a head on it. And you know what, right. guys? It fucking worked. What, one of my favorite I mean, comments was, was the uh, Raj from Men and Blazers said, just a classic battle between two of the goats, Messi and Vut Vegvorst. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like literally watching, you know, Minnesota high school league playoffs where it's just like boot and run, boot and run, boot and run and trying to see and cross the ball into it. And you're like, how how are you going to be able to maintain this? And, the, and they did. Yeah. Because Argentinians are not the tallest. And and they 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 flop a lot. So I, I read a stat. Yeah, I read a stat that basically at, at, at the final whistle, the average height of the Argentinian players was six two, and the average height of the Argent oh, sorry of the Netherlands players was six two. The average height of the Argentinians was five nine. So that's fucking insane. Five inches, man, on uh, on all the uh, on all the Argentinians out there. So yep, yeah, and well, that's, that segues that's into the, your. With the messy part, you know, he actually had to take steroids and whatever else injections to be able to actually grow to be five, what, seven, <laughs> five, eight. Right. right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can't yeah. imagine what it's like to to be able to have to battle someone who's like, you know, six, six and trying to trying to win headers against them. It's literally impossible. So, yeah, I, I uh, go ahead. Go ahead, MJ. In uh, extra time, I believe it was. They actually took a corner and they actually went for like the in swinger into the box as a corner. And it was hilarious because after that did not work well at all. Like the next corner they took was a short corner. <laughs> I think they took yeah. short corners the rest, the rest of the way there. It was like, oh, we're good at possessing the ball. Let's just do this. Yeah. Did you guys talk about the first goal? We did. We, yeah, we just did. So, um, hmm. So after that goal, then tempers flare again. Um, oh, this part this was time. amazing. I'm so glad I saw this on the replay. This, yeah, this, this time. This, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's Go a ahead. foul. Um, Argent- an Argentinian player, I can't remember which one, just absolutely rockets the ball into, straight into the uh, into the Netherlands bench. Um, <laughs> was that was La Toro Martinez who did that? Yeah, that it, was Martinez. And, yeah. and again, no fucking cards in it. Like, this, camp, this game ended up with 17 yellow cards. This did not merit a card. <laughs> Um, incredible. Latoro Martinez, I think it was. I think was he also the one who got laid out by Virgil Van Dyke because Virgil yes, Van Dyke comes running in, and the dude him. just sort of turns into him and just and honestly, guys, same thing happened to my daughter this weekend. Um, <laughs> she was like, kind of, she her back was to me. She all of a sudden turned around, and just like started taking off running, and she like ran straight into my thigh and just went boom straight back. <laughs> it was. I felt really bad. It was hilarious. Um, I was mm-hmm. laughing, but it was also felt I felt like shit. Um, but it was the exact same thing. Like the dude just bounced straight off of Virgil Van Dyke, like he uh, like, just basically like like honestly like the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote like runs straight into the fucking 
into the side of the of the of the bill of the boulder and just falls straight backwards he's um martinez is lucky he didn't like check him or put his hands out and he, he he came in with just he just chested him and he went flying if he would have like lowered his body and put the hands out that dude would have been in the stand <laughs> over but but seriously i mean like this is literally what a copa libertadores like matches oh, totally. or 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 or, or, or argentinian league game is like like we've seen and covered a minnesota football show where like you know there's like four red cards and it's just normal normal tuesday And then, you know, like this, this whole shit house was just so much fun to be able to watch. It was so entertaining to be like, oh, there's a fight. What's going to happen? <laughs> What's going to do? Are we going to turn in? Is the coach going to punch someone? Let's hope a, po- a coach. It's like if you had the bingo card of chaos, like literally you would have like I. I would have wanted to know what the odds are in Vegas for half of this crap happening. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like. 17 yellow cards, one red card, I think it was total a double yellow. Um, and it was just like, how does this how does that even happen? That's like a like like a World Cup record, just being able to have so many yellow cards and just like not being able to really, you know, command the the field. But like it was two two, you're tied. What goes on? <laughs> well, we yeah, we'd even mentioned the goal that so two one. <clears throat> This is all right before mm. the 90th minute uh, in, in the 11th minute of stoppage time. I think they, I think they put 10 minutes on the clock um, yep. in the 11th minute of stoppage time. Uh, Netherlands wins a free kick right, at, you know, right outside the box, probably about 22 yards out. I would, I would say 21, 22 yards out. Um, I think it was De Jong who uh, took the, uh, the free kick and with a, a play that apparently Vegvers had done um, in the Bundesliga a couple years ago. Um, he's standing off to the side of the Argentinian wall instead of trying to boot it over the wall, um, he kind of just more or less passes the ball to Veglers, yep, who turns and in one motion hits it um, with, I believe, with his left foot into the corner of the net. Um, Martinez, um, who had a, a great tournament, just there's nothing he could do. He was just caught flat-footed. No, definitely not expecting that. It was literally the last kick of the game. It was quite amazing. It was awesome. It was awesome, MJ. There's the guy who plays dummy that it looks like he's passing the ball to And he and then he steps aside like uh, like the bullfighter. He steps aside, lets the ball go through to, right. uh, Veg- to Veghorst. So uh, yeah, I mean it was just a really well designed play. Beautiful. But also, I was kind of concerned that the Argentinian players that were not in the wall shouldn't you be behind orange jerseys in the box shouldn't that be where you were because that's not where they were and that's that's why that whole set play worked yep well i mean argentinians are not known for defense um, <laughs> listen except, you and eric except, except this. no like i'm, I'm, I'm like except i'm for so the sad Portland i've thrown Defender, shade at, at other combo teams but yes yeah i mean that's literally like You 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 don't really see defenders who are really you know that come from Argentina that really stick out. But um, I mean, it was a set piece, and I think one of the things that Netherlands has always been good, uh, specifically against the United States, were set pieces. They were able to get around that and, and distribute the ball well. And I think at that point, a lot of the uh, the momentum was in Netherlands' favor. But they also had like I don't know two or three free kicks right outside the box the last 10 minutes. It was just like you know something that you weren't you weren't expecting to to, to kind of happen, and with that you got a two two with like 
what three four minutes of extra time left to be able to yeah do something and yeah well, i think everyone's just so stunned so yeah the game ends uh two two they go to the uh go to extra time the first 15 minutes of extra time was very pretty boring i think again the netherlands was just was couldn't believe that they'd done it Argentinian fans mm-hmm. were all freaked out like oh shit are we gonna are we gonna bottle it again um yeah. The second half, extra time, um, Argentina starts to step up, and you can start to maybe get a little bit of that momentum back. Um, Otamendi has a shot that's just over. Uh, Verge takes uh, stops one with his chest, um, and then um, uh, Andreas Nopert, the uh, Dutch keeper, makes what three or four saves, uh, two or three saves right in a row. Right, they at were the, sort of Argentina was just pouring it on like yep. towards the end. Everybody forward, everybody shooting, and it was. It was pretty miraculous that nothing went in. So good on him for for staying staying tight and staying focused. Yep. And so penalty shootout. Um, and again, it goes kind of the uh, somewhat similar to the Croatia Brazil penalty shootout. Uh, first uh, shot, uh, first penalty is uh, for Virgil Van Dyke. Um, it's actually saved by Martinez, who's having a, a fantastic tournament, um, especially in penalties as well. Um, Copa that, America Martinez. Copa America playing Martinez. Playing shenanigans, <laughs> as he's well known as doing. Yeah, so he, stop, he stops Verge, and then um, Messi steps up for Argentina. He scores. I remember we talked about Messi uh, a couple, two or three podcasts ago when he had that penalty saved. Um, I believe, you know, that was like the one thing, like, where he makes penalties at about a 77% clip, which is basically average. It's the only average thing that Messi does is take penalties, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but he converts his, so he had two penalties actually in this one total. Um, and then again, it's just basically Nelbert uh, just can't make the saves. I mean, that dude is, you know, this is his, I think his first major international tournament. And Martinez is, you know, he has done this before. Uh, Argentina wins four to three uh, in penalties and are going to be playing Croatia in the semifinal. Go ahead, MJ. Trivia question for the three of you. Where did Ila- Emiliano Martinez play before Aston Villa in the EPL or before? No, I think he's thinking Primera Argentina. No, no, just right before he went to Aston Villa. What what club was he signed with? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. Well, he he was signed for Arsenal, but he was perpetually loaned out to every other team in lower league, <laughs> lower league England. It's hilarious. Like. <laughs> He's mostly he for a championship Arsenal from 2012 to 2020, and he played for Oxford United, Sheffield Wednesday, wow. uh, Rotherham United, Wolverhampton, Hatafe. Well, there's a Brazil, uh, and then uh, that or Spain, and then uh, Reading. So, like, hmm. who didn't he play for? But like, he was signed <laughs> with Arsenal for journeyman everywhere nine seasons, and just Arsenal didn't want him, but Aston Villa did. So, yeah, so he's was been great. 16. 16 yellows or 17, right? We would say 16 yellows plus the red, right? Yeah. It's a double yellow. So yeah, a double yellow yes. to the red. 17 yellows total, but yes, yeah. Unbelievable. So it was um, uh, all right, well, yeah. So let's, let's talk about so the, the game's over. Game's talk over. a little bit about what's all, all the crazy stuff that happened after the game. Yeah, yeah. Rodrigo, give us give us the lowdown on all this uh Messi versus Van Hall and I, th- th- that's some bravery to step to Edgar Davids. Like that, that's a death wish. I don't know what he was thinking. Well, I mean, like throughout the whole, like we, we know that Van Gaal, uh, Louis Van Gaal likes to talk a lot. And just like w- when he came to the United States, um, you know, um, is able to, to, to talk 
talk trash and you know there were there were moments when where he he um had um thoughts on Messi and how Argentina is only good when Messi has control of the ball but whenever he doesn't have the ball um he's not as great and uh there reminds of uh, reminds you of a similar comment that Van Gaal had about another Argentinian player that he coached um um which was uh Riquelme um Riquelme uh, played for Barcelona while Van Gaal was was coaching and he only was able to last one year because uh Van Gaal Louis Van Gaal uh, decided to play him out of position on the wing just like he had put Rivaldo on the wing previous to to Rivaldo leaving uh when they both are really good uh center midfielders and uh one of um Riquelme's celebrations is the big ear uh big hands behind the ear making you you know making you have like big ears and that's actually a tribute to a i don't know what do you want to call it, like a marionette uh show that was popular in the 50s that you know because no one could really afford cable latin america we got to watch all the all the belly dubbed uh and this was a topo Gijo, uh little little mouse that 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 was able to uh, that was very popular, right? He was his mouse and he had big ears like that. So, so Riquelme would do that. And as soon as, you know, the whistle blew, um, you saw a lot of the Argentinian players um, making that gesture of the big ears or the Riquelme celebration towards the Netherlands players. But at one point, there's a picture in which um, Messi is doing it right uh, at, at the bench where Van Gaal and other Netherlands players are. And that's because, you know, um, Riquelme is, is a very, very well-liked, if not, you know, super famous uh, Argentinian player. Uh, and actually, Messi is actually one of his favorite players. And I've yet to remember if they both played at, at, under Barca around the same time. But a lot of people um, in Argentina credit uh, Van Gaal for somewhat ruining his career. Uh, and um, that was a celebration that he decided to go ahead and do that, and and to have Messi do that because we know Messi usually isn't outspoken or doesn't do that, but he also doesn't like it when people, 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 people talk shit and and not back it up, right? And I think yeah, that's one talks. of these things. And I was like, if 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 you're if, if you can't take the celebration, then beat them, right? Beat them in the be, beat them on the on the pitch. And if you can't beat them, then you got to take the celebration. So there was a lot of that going on, and it was a it, it was it was really like hilarious because I was like I've seen that celebration before, and I was trying to think where I'd seen it because you know Riquelme played for Boca Juniors, and I, and I'm and I'm a Boca Juniors fan. And I was like I finally looked it up, and I was like oh that's right, and then I just thought it was just so perfect, like the perfect so moment for Van Gaal. Yep. Yeah, and what's incredible is. Somebody somewhere got a tattoo of that moment. Like it just happened. And Messi, Van Gaal sitting down, David's next to him. It's on somebody's body somewhere. <laughs> kudos, kudos to them. That's impressive. Well, I, I, be, I believe there was like, there's some, somebody from Argentina said that, um, like, was somebody on, uh, was it maybe it was De Jong or somebody on Holland was basically, or on the Netherlands was basically like, when they game <clears throat> after they scored the goal and, and started talking in, in extra time. Basically, like you know, we you know we got you in penalties or whatever. So they were so Netherlands. The Netherlands players were, I think it was the players were like talking shit too. Some of the Ar Argentinian players, or they overheard it. Uh, you know, they're talking to one another or something. 
So anyway, so like there was, and that was an addition. This is after all of the bad blood earlier in the game when the bench right. was cleared two times. Right. So well, and then it continued post match because Messi was giving an interview. I don't know what the context was, but the, he like brushed aside the interviewer and was like again going after somebody off camera. So it's just like, <laughs> well, it was. It, I believe it was. It was pointed towards. Uh, the Netherlands player who scored the two goals. Uh, yeah, because he kept Amazing. on saying uh, pretty much, you know, Bobo is a translation of like, I guess kind of like dumbass, right? In a yeah. sense, right? Yeah. And so it's like, what are you doing, Bob? What are you doing, dumbass? No, you go away, dumbass. Go be go over that way as he's being interviewed by an Argentinian uh, new, uh, news reporter and, and like, you know, the, the news reporter is trying to say, hey, come up, come down, Leo, because le his Messi doesn't really get that aggravated in a sense he's always been like a reserve type of player that uh and to see that from him is as literally all you really want to be able to see at one point from one of, from this and i think it's 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 fitting because these two teams have played so much against each other but it's also fitting because of the connection of barcelona van gaal Riquelme, and the celebration i mean it's just Literally, like I said, who did who did FIFA have to pay to write these freaking scripts for these for the semis and the quarters? Because it literally writes like a damn movie. It's like, can't wait to see this on the Netflix series once once uh, uh, Netflix is allowing the uh, the the Copa America um, documentary of the Argentinian team um, to be aired in the United States. That's going to be another one of those things where you're like being like, wow, this is this is great. This is great TV and and great TV sells. <clears throat> Indeed. I love it. Lean in, man. Lean, lean fucking in. So, uh, all right, so that's, that, uh, that was, that was a sick deep cut. I didn't know it went all the way back to the me like that too. So yeah, Thank no, you. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting because like, it's like, like, like I'm a, I'm a Boca Juniors fan. I've been a Boca Juniors fan in football. So I like when I was in high school here, I was one of the few people that in their locker room had, had uh graphical uh, pictures of Batistuta and La Bombonera, right? Because Batistuta was my favorite, one of my favorite players. But yeah, you know, like the whole Riquelma throwback and that whole aspect of it is just, you know, it makes makes this World Cup trolling uh, probably <laughs> one of the best that I've seen. Nice. Nice. Well, that was the second of our, our penalty shootout uh, day uh, last Friday. Before we jump to the second game on Saturday, uh, we have a quick interlude of MJ... Uh, giving us a very, very brief history of penalty shootouts in uh, the Men's World Cup. So, MJ, very briefly again. That, that definitely you're, didn't just appear. And you're, and you're muted, so. <laughs> Wait a minute, does that take off my time? It does. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first 10 Men's World Cups, if you were tied after extra time, you had to replay the match. In the um, final, right? In the, the, the Yeah. Or in, in any of the any of the knockouts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they realized this was bad, and in 1970 they proposed to IFAB to do the PK shootout thing, and it was adopted eight years later, 1978. It didn't need to be used until 1982, but uh, the record for most number of PK shootouts in one World Cup. Does anyone want to hazard a guess? So, I don't know, but you go ahead. It's it's four, um, and it, it's happened uh, five five times: nineteen ninety in Italy, tw two thousand six in Germany, twenty fourteen Brazil, twenty eighteen in Russia, and twenty twenty two now in Qatar. 
So like really recently, it's happened four times. And so if there's another PK shootout in this knockout, 2022 Men's World Cup will break the record for number of knockouts or uh, PK shootouts in Men's World Cup. Um, you, you didn't put the one in here that actually won the cup, though. No, I didn't get that far. And David wants it to be short. I what I was more looking at big picture than 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 small picture. Which which one went went to the final? It's it's one of those. Nineteen ninety four. Yeah, the ninety four final. Yeah, Brazil, Brazil versus that tattooed Italia. in my brain. I remember yeah. sit, sitting in my Italia. Yeah, um, my grandma's house with everybody. Sua tafareo. Um, yeah, and so when Baggio missed that last one, you were just like, yep. hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so this is kind of hard to ascertain or score, but do you, do you know who has the worst penalty kick record? Hmm. Brazil? Brazil's actually three and two. Three wins, okay. two losses. <clears throat> two, to, two to Croatia? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, didn't help. So, uh, okay, so a couple of France is two and two. I thought it was going to be England because they always complain. I, they I, I was leading to that too, yeah. Germany, I, I thought it was going to be England. They, they, like, England and the Netherlands are both one and three. Spain's, Spain is now one and four after their loss. Um, yeah. My favorite Spain loss, of course, was in 2002. They 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 won one in the round of 16 and then lost to Korea in the in the quarterfinal uh, on penalties. So, uh, but no, uh, it's uh, Italy is 0 and three. Wow, 0 and three on on PK shootouts since when? Since since PK all of Ben's World Cup PKs, yeah, since, including since the, the famous Roberto Baggio. Yeah, we just talked about that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then uh, Argentina is now five and one. And That's impressive. The, the most MJ on investigation needs to look be looked into Germany slash West Germany at four and no and Croatia very, very recently at four and no. <laughs> Croatia just incredible. exactly what David said earlier, you know, beat them in regulation or else. No, yep. not, not only beat them, MJ. You have to murder them. You have to. You have to <laughs> Dance plan on the, the funeral. You have to go to the funeral. You have to piss on their grave. Yep. Um, you got to pour I'm one out for it. your homies. You get then, then, and only then um, can you beat them because they, they, they you will not, not played extra time. No, no, no. no. You for, you forgot. You have to exchange the headstone with someone else's, <laughs> so that way no one can find them. There you Croatia go. Slash Croatia has not been in a, in a PK shootout until 2018 in, in Russia. And in, they beat Denmark and Russia, the host nation in, in Russia. And now they've beaten Japan and Brazil. Man, you know, Lavakovic. Lavakovic is the man. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. These uh, World Cup podcasts are also brought to you by Pence Homes. Uh, Thanks to, <laughs> thanks to the team over at Pence Homes um, and Keller Williams Classic Realty for sponsoring the World Cup podcast. Uh, again, we, all, we always say Nate is a, is a super awesome uh, dude, really into soccer. His whole team is, um, and they all work um, really well together. Um, I mentioned I bought, we bought our home with Nate. My in-laws bought their home through Pence Homes. Um, we have lots of other friends who have uh, purchased Pence Homes. So if you have any questions, 
um, or you need just someone to walk you through the process of selling or buying your house um, or a home in a, in a time frame that works best for you, whether that's you got a short time frame, you need to get something done in the next few months, or hey, you're just thinking about for you know a year or two down the line. That's actually how we started out. So we were looking at, oh, about a year we want to buy a house. And uh, about uh, six weeks later, we uh, we were buying a house. So it happens real fast. So um, did, you, um, did you get a cake? We, uh, actually, the, we were doing this is before cake. So we actually. Oh, really? Uh, so the cake got is a new a, thing. Yeah, the cake is. Uh, well, it's a, yeah, it's been a while now, but we were one of the, we were one of the last ones. He actually bought uh, me a bottle of, uh, of darkness. I think it was like a 2015 or 2016 bottle of Surly Darkness, which is um, still sitting in a uh, in a cellar. Um, aging a little bit and then uh, and a bottle of wine so the i think he started doing the cakes um literally maybe the next within six months of of us buying our house so we missed out on that but yeah if you want a, a super awesome cake with got a picture of your house on it they're very cool looking so the the art yeah, the baker no, that they used the, to do it is really cool the, the team is amazing i mean like i i've had i've not bought a house with nate but i've gotten so many house advice through mm-hmm. Nate and connections. And so he's more than willing to help out anyone in those sense and hear you out and just overall, uh, you know, think about you and your, in your future. If you want to be a future homeowner or you need to do some, some, some um, remodeling or any type of questions, they're more than, you know, Nate's and their team more than willing to just give you a hand. And plus any, any kind of like, um, what is it they do? Like uh, advertisement or deals that they have on, you know, like they're very supportive, you know? Yeah. I remember, I remember getting, getting you know getting like a like a like a cozy and like a beer that i took <laughs> to my daughter's soccer game and then i was just cranking a beer and i was i'm not saying i was belligerent drunk but i was i was i was enjoying um <laughs> you know 30 degree weather in april watching watching a bunch of 15 year olds run around so yes no yeah. they pay uh penshomes.com that's all i yep. gotta say yeah, if you support soccer locally, if you've been to a Minneapolis City game, I'm sure you've seen their logo on the jerseys. Uh, they sponsor a lot of the soccer stuff at the Blackheart. Um, so yeah, penshomes.com. If you want to learn more, you can give them a call at 612-308-1122 um, and answer literally almost any question you have about how Rodrigo is totally right. Nate will sit at the bar sometimes and just offer advice on refinancing your mortgage or who to who to get for a roof or a water heater any sort of appliance or whatever you need fixing. So give them a call um, or visit penshomes.com. All right. Let's talk about the final match, uh, quarterfinal match of the, of the round, uh, England and France. Uh, this one finishes England one, France two. Um, this is, a. Uh, this game was, you know, simultaneously. So this is, I was, I was watching at the black card that was packed there. Um, it was pretty packed for the uh, Morocco, Portugal, um, match earlier in the morning, but then definitely filled up for England, France. The Friday crowd was actually really great too for the second, um, for the Amsterdam Netherlands game, or the, sorry, Argentina Netherlands game, because um, everybody I think knocked off work a little early. But uh, my uh, my, my sister mentioned that I had the most Brazilian and Minnesotan experience for this one as I watched this in a ski chalet. So, <laughs> That's right. That's the most bougiest <laughs> thing I've heard. In, in, in a long time. How how was it? How was it watching England France in a in a ski chalet, Eric? You know, I, I had to go for La France dans le chalet, no? We <laughs> oui, oui, oui. were, were there other people around you that were at uh, watching it with me? Yeah, my son's or- teammates. More yes. strongly biased for one one um, side of the I'm not other? sure about I'm not sure about bias. I, I I think there were 
there there was we'll, we'll talk about it in a second here but the uh there there was a big reaction on the on the first goal on the too many goals so we we were out we were out actually skiing by the time the rest of it kind of stopped but we saw the first goal yeah yeah well, let's let's talk about it um you know early part of this game was a lot of these teams just feeling each other out um for being as close to one another as they are they very rarely play in international tournaments um they, england and france don't very don't meet up very often um which is unfortunate because obviously a lot of these players know each other but yeah what's um eric you want to talk about the the two many goal uh future Liverpool uh, midfielder uh, Chuamene, by the way. Yeah, just gonna throw that out there. I'm gonna put that into the world to the ether. <laughs> Hopefully, um, Rodrigo's daughter can uh, can join us with the Chuamene love. You know, it's 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 another one of these similar ones like we talked about uh, between the, the the first Holland goal in the U.S., the one with uh, the Croatian player on Brazil. Uh, at this time, it's Griezmann, and he kind of does a similar thing where takes it down and cuts in gets swarmed by the defense passes it back i think i think there was somebody else running in too like he had a couple different options if, if i don't if i um if i'm not mistaken but i think too many calls for it he's like no 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 give it to me and so he passes it back and he just lasers it one time beautiful goal I mean, you know, honestly, like Eric made a good argument that uh Casemiro was like the engine for Brazil but Griezmann is the engine for France. Like, I don't well, know. Yeah. Like, everyone's giving all the props to Mbappe. And, and like, I understand that. But, like, without Griezmann, this this team does not does not get to where it needs to be. And I think he gets he gets overshadowed by by the, uh, I don't know, the cosmetic thing that Mbappe is willing to do. Um, and and, and, and that's score goals. Yeah, and Giroud. I mean, Giroud's more... More in a sense, like this is this is finally his, his, his he's actually living up to the standard that people were expecting him to do last World Cup, um, and and wasn't able to. So like I think he's he's finally you know punching in his ticket. But I think you know without Griezmann, this team really doesn't have nothing else except without Griezmann, this would be a boot and run team. Literally, that's what it would be. You know the it's funny you mention that because this is the best that Griezmann's looked in a long time. Um, I think part of that. Is uh he only plays like forty five minutes a game for his for his uh, club because of uh the contractual obligations like if he plays too many minutes like there's like mandatory buy clauses or whatever so so he's only playing like forty five minutes a game so he's helped so he's like super healthy um hasn't run a ton this year so far um but also you know think about the the, the players that aren't um, with this France team Benzema obviously which gives Giroud a spot but Pogba and Angolo Conte were both hurt Angolo before Conte, the. For sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think if Pogba and Conte are there, Griezmann is probably coming off the bench. I don't think he's he's getting the the run that he's playing, and he's been playing with Mbappe a lot. I've, I've watched the French team quite a bit because I, I really like how generally how they play. This game, I didn't I didn't think they were as good, um, but Griezmann and Mbappe have been really playing well together. And um, the English actually did a really good job of taking away containing Mbappe in this game, um, which is like a I mean, if you're if you are Argentina, Croatia, and Morocco, hopefully you uh you know were watching the tape because basically they took Kyle Walker and and Jordan Henderson and basically sort of like double teamed Mbappe most of the time when he was sort of making runs in the final third. So you know I believe Mbappe only had about two forward passes um into dangerous spots. And obviously they by doing that they sort of open up the field for the rest of the players. And you know France has you know Dembele and, and like Griezmann and Giroud. Lots of guys who can hurt you. So they just they kind of had to gamble, right? Like we're going to take Mbappe out of this game and these other guys might 
might hurt us. And, you know, obviously Chuamene um, does <laughs> and basically. So, um, so it was interesting um, tactical shift by Southgate to not change up his formation, you know, moving um, to a back three or something, but just sort of investing a little more resources into stopping Mbappe. And obviously Morocco doesn't have the, the, uh, um, Kyle Walker is a, you know, world-class defender. Jordan Henderson is not a world-class midfielder anymore, but the dude is a smart uh, footballer. He knows how to position himself, where to be. He's you know, not as fast as he used to be, but, you know, he makes smart plays. Hopefully Morocco, um, took it, you know, took a look at that to, in order to help contain Mbappe. So, um, where do we go from there? Uh, yeah. Loris had to get busy. Kane started to get in, uh, get some shots off. There was an open goal situation, like on the 21st, but England could not come up with anything substantial from it. Um, kind of became a theme, this uh, Lodis versus Kane, the <laughs> ba- yep, battle of the Spurs. Spoiler alert. That's, that's going to come back. That's going to come back at the, at the well end said. here. Yep, yep. Uh, it's like, it's, it's Chekhov's glass, uh, you know. <laughs> Chekhov's gun uh, of, uh, of things here in the, in the match. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, for halftime, at least that's, that's where it ends up. One uh, nil France. And I'll throw it to you guys. If you want to start the, the second half. Um, yeah. So there's a, a Jude Bellingham has a, as a, a really great opportunity early on in the second half, which the uh, re saves um, in the 52nd minute. There's a penalty. Um, Saka is brought down by the aforementioned goal scorer to um, Harry Kane steps up. Harry Kane and Hugo Lloris have played t- with, with each other uh, at Tottenham for what, almost 10 years now, something like that, almost a decade. Uh, Kane steps up and uh, buries the penalty to give uh, to draw level with, uh, with France, make it 1 1. Um, and then in the 77th minute, uh, Eric Snow's here, Sex Gar Giroux. Yep. Another great cross by Griezmann. Again, I, I think oh, this was, this was his, uh, cross. just a beautiful cross. Um, yep. And then Giroud with uh, his big meaty French forehead uh, heads into the near post, give uh, France a two, one lead, not to be outdone though. Um, you got to give the English credit. They managed to lose on penalties without actually going to penalties. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Harry Kane. Um, so there's that. So there's, there's actually a couple of penalty shouts um, earlier in the game. Harry Kane um, was legitimately fouled, but it was just outside the box and, and they had to go back and look um, and they couldn't give a penalty because he was fouled, but he was fouled outside the box, but they let the play go, obviously. So they weren't able to give him the ball back. This time, another penalty. Um, Kane steps up and he just absolutely skies it. Um, MJ does his best, uh, does his best Alberto Baggio. <laughs> he, he does, he does Baggio a, uh, um, how was, why am I blanking on the U S uh, player who, uh, who hit it to Mars one time? Um, Eddie Johnson, was it Eddie Johnson who did that? I think it was Eddie Johnson. Mm-hmm. Anyways, or, um, or and, any, or any shot that Alexi Gomez decided. To do <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Nice. Alexi Gomez, that dude for sure. Uh, MJ, what are your thoughts on this, uh, on this penalty? You're, you're mute. You're unmute yourself, bud. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> uh, those that don't know, Harry Kane plays for this Premier League team called Tottenham Hotspur. And if you thought Harry Kane scoring on Hugo Lloris, the Tottenham Hotspur goalie, like 
Spurs on Spurs violence. If you thought that was the Spursiest thing ever, you should see him take a penalty kick at a Spurs goalkeeper and completely miss. <laughs> like we're talking Alexi Gomez special here. Sorry, Rodrigo. <laughs> I, I, I just, just so we're clear. I was anti Alexi <laughs> Gomez coming to Minnesota United from the get go. He was. All right. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, was. Yeah. I even got your love of Peru could not could not even bring you to like Alexi <laughs> Gomez. No, no, look, right? I, I I even got into an argument with a now uh, you know with a, a now esteemed reporter soccer reporter about it. Uh, but yes, like the only time to bring someone who represents uh, my homeland it's is when I tell them not to. So yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of comable, um, Wilton Sampaio uh, probably going to be persona, persona non grata in Britannia going not, forward not, here. Not just comable, my guy, from my family state of Goiás. <laughs> <laughs> Did you wow. see that thing I sent? I, I posted on Instagram, Eric. Uh-uh. When someone, yeah, you did. When someone changed uh, the the Wikipedia of the uh, oh yes, the referee, I did. Now I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Someone someone changed it for a little time the Wikipedia of the page, and he pretty much said that he was he was uh, getting uh, lap dances from Mbappe for uh, being able to <laughs> to call such a great game. And um, I mean, Coleman Ball, baby. I mean, that's a, the you you like drama, you like chaos. Get more comable in your life. Uh, get yourself a Paramount Plus subscription because there's lots of comable on Paramount Plus. So, um, um, I love I love watching that shit too for sure. It's it is it's like pure it's like pure uh, cocaine, just straight like just <laughs> just straight cut for you and and pure pure as the driven snow. Um, and yeah, it's 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 fantastic to watch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you want to see a, a football player take down a drone and destroy it in the middle of a pitch during a game because it has an opposing team's banner, call me ball. You want to be able to catch <laughs> racist on camera doing monkey noises. Also call me ball. Right. I think, I mean, I think last, last season though, was the, the biggest highlight was remember the Argentine match with the fish. Somebody threw a oh, fish yeah. and, and slapped the dude in the face. He was trying to take it. Firecrackers, corner. fish. You know, Unbelievable. Quadruple, Fuck, quadruple yellows. All in this kind yeah. of 30, no, 90 seconds. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so good. It's, so it's like, it's like the, it's like the, uh, the crazy, like regional wrestling league of, of soccer, but, but by it, like, but some of the best players in the world, like doing right. it. Right. 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 Like, yeah. It's, Remember. it's, it's the sporting version of the Comebol telenovela. I mean, like you, you want like, uh, Colombia or Chilean or uh, Argentinian telenovela, and it's it has everything. It's the spice of life. It's the spice. Well, here we are, La France. Yeah. Autrefois. Yeah. I mean, so the... we have. Yeah. So let's. Um, sorry, sorry, Eric. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah. We're any any, any else you want to say about about the England France game? Otherwise, I think we can maybe just briefly maybe talk and give some predictions for has, semifinals. Has this been the most after... complete game? two sets of 100 years wars i'm i'm very disappointed like like england versus france has been so much more exciting than this fucking game <laughs> yeah i i i'm really mad at english at, at at britain because my final was argentina england that was the final i wanted to pick just because politically i wanted to be able to m- make it all about the falkland islands and that would have oh, been oh just... you mean 
Las Malvinas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I wanted to make it all about Las Malvinas. And unfortunately, I don't get to dream to live out that dream. And I'm very upset over it. Well, uh, now we have a potential repeat in play, which would be absolutely incredible between Croatia on one side and France on the other. I said potential. Potential. Yes. Here, here's my question, though. Like, I, I'm not really convinced by France so much. I think England was able to sort of expose how to somewhat contain Mbappe and make someone else pay you. Like, do who do you rather beat you, Giroud or Mbappe? I'd rather, I'd rather have someone else beat me, right? Uh, yeah, take my chances with Giroud for sure. And so that's um, the thing. I think, I think that's uh, you know, like they they haven't really played tough opponents in a sense um that really have, have sticking it to them and i think england was able to do that and and should have at least gone extra times o- over this but you know it, it that's that's why you play at the world cup that's anything can happen literally it's like quoting kevin garnett after winning boston celtics uh you know banner any anything is possible so and that's so what you're it is. going so you're going full uh uh caliphate takeover you say morocco is going to knock off spain <laughs> portugal but, and france but let's look at this though right now like <laughs> it'd be, it'd two, be phenomenal two, no no but two, two of the most defensive teams so far in this world cup have been who morocco and croatia exactly <laughs> it's not pretty it's not sexy but you know it works and yeah. and 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 i think morocco has a really good fluid corner attack and they can do it i mean but if you are able to contain Mbappe and really defend really well and your counter is what you do that, you know, France can be exposed. I mean, they don't really have a a, a very stout def- defense at the moment, except for their goalkeeper. But and, um, and let's say Hugo Lloris has, has been known to make some some boneheaded fucking mistakes, too. So he hasn't done that yet. So to your to your point, Rodrigo, he's known to make some stupid ass mistakes. Um, so there's there's that. I mean, so Shout far with friend, this- Cody who was at Ladonia with me watching this game. And I think he was cheering for England uh, and was just angry at Loris. He's like, no, do the thing that you always do. <laughs> just letting goals, you know. That's funny. Letting howlers. And, and, and he's like, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, like this World Cup has been all about what the impossible is. And so far, you know, that's defense is what's, it's, what's really being, being part of that. I mean, like we've had how many amazing performances by goalkeepers throughout this tournament like it's it's more than i've seen in in a, in a long time and so i think that's yeah. one of the things too that you have to be able to to point out like so right now defense is winning in a sense if you have a defense and a, and a decent counter you are able to at least have a good chance of of, of shocking the world yeah to that point i'm actually not going to do predictions because i've destroyed or the predictions have destroyed me throughout this entire one so i'm going to refrain but i'm going to ask you all how you feel about tomorrow for argentina croatia um mj uh you, you i know you watched you watched the argentina match um at a argentinian uh joint right i did i went oh. I, I drove down to del sur empanadas with thunderwall president Daniel Dittmanson and uh, we had some empanadas. I had uh, choripan, uh, which is a Argentinian. Oh yeah, choripan. That's so good. Yeah, it was like a, a butterfly, like link link sausage, like Argentinian chorizo with uh, some uh, chimichurri and uh, 
mayonnaise and it was fucking incredible um um i did not try the q mace uh beer but uh daniel did and he liked it so um, is good yeah yeah so Kimmy Slagerwood, if you want to drink your Argentinian beer and eat your Argentinian food while cheering on Argentinian football, head down to Del Cerro Empanadas. Um, yeah, they, they, they were great, except for the Vuvuzelas. Did not appreciate the owners um, grabbing Vuvuzelas and blowing them at random times. Hmm. Um, no, yeah, that's, they, that's, that's a hard pass for me, man. No, that that, that just makes my ears bleed. But, but no, honest, like the two owners... Uh, uh, Diego and Nico were were really 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 cool. They were fun to talk to and uh, easygoing and uh, yeah, they were they work hard. So cool. so, so who does this? I'm, I'm go ahead go ahead. No, uh, no, I'm, I'm pulling myself out of the prediction thing. So I was just going to ask: is 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 it the messy narrative that's going to take this thing through? Is it the the zombies of Croatia that will? continue to gain power as time goes by and 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 potentially stop the the messy narrative what, what's going to happen here it's a hard one to call i don't know because here's the thing though like as much as you know messi has been part of the narrative he's not this the most central figure in this team you know like and i think there's other players on there who there's latino martinez who finally is beginning to show up i mean you got you got the other Martinez, the goalkeeper. You still have Di Maria from time to time. You have Acuna. You have, you know, it, it's a more solid group than than ever before. And this is why they were successful in the Copa America. They didn't really rely on on Messi to take over the the game. He just needed to take over moments. And and when he's when he's able to take over moments, then he's that's a whole different conversation. I think, I I think for me, like if if we if we want, which is what so far has been happening in this world cup. You want this to go to like extra time and somehow, you know, Messi or someone else was able to deliver uh, a dagger and have the, 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 the dramatics on the field. Uh, I mean, that's literally what you, what you're looking <laughs> he for. He missed our do. earlier conversation. He doesn't, he doesn't know Dave. He doesn't know. You don't want that shit to go to overtime, Rodrigo, <laughs> that extra time. That is, uh, that is, how, that is how Croatia kills you. No, yeah, I understand how Croatia kills you, but like, but the way this thing's been written, it would be that that's that's the storybook ending that you want to be able to go to a final. Yeah. But in reality, like you have to, like if 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 Argentina gets a two-zero lead, they can't bunker. They have to keep on pushing. Right. And that's it. You know. And that's it. You 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 are able to, you know, contain, uh, Modric and and just you know I don't I don't really care if like you have to pound them. And just hack him, and eventually he gets kicked out of the game. He has to be subbed off, or you get a red. But he's out of the game. You take him out of the game, and literally, someone else has to beat you. And I think if you're Argentina, you'd rather someone else beat you than Luka Modric. Right. I'll, I'll say so to your, that point. Um, Argentina, from the very first game that we that me and you watched together, Rodrigo, that 4 a.m. game with G at at Blackheart. Um, it, it was that was obviously they didn't play great. They obviously lost that game. They played progressively better every single game. I think if one team has, I mean, I guess you could argue, you could maybe make the argument that Croatia has kind of grown into the tournament too, but I think one team of these four that are remaining has played better every single match from Saudi Arabia to the Mexico game to Poland to the, you know, the knockout rounds. Um, so they're playing better. It's can they, can they do, like I said, for the first 75 minutes of that game against uh, the Netherlands, they were great. And then all of a sudden, the last 15 minutes, they just kind of shut off. So 
can Argentina play a complete game? I think that is the big thing. I think, you know, you're, they're probably going to give up a goal to Croatia. So that, can they score two? Um, I tend to think that Argentina can, and I predict that Argentina will, will slay the Frankenstein's monster that is Croatia um, in, uh, in the semifinal on and, Tuesday. And retire, and retire Luka Modric from the retire world. Retire Modric. I, I, think, I think the narrative of Messi going out on top is, is too strong. It's the too only sexy. way it would not be too the – the only thing that could probably derail it, honestly, I mean, France winning it again would be a, a pretty cool narrative. The only other no, thing wouldn't. narrative no, that should actually derail it, though, is Morocco being the yeah. first African team to win it, it for that's sure. That's literally it. Like, if, if, Mor- if, if it's not Argentina, it's Morocco. That's it. That's the yep. only two options anyone should ever want. <laughs> okay, exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna push back. Croatia has never won the thing. They were in the final last year. I think they have a legitimate claim to this. They're, they're clearly, like you said, the Frankenstein monster. They're the zombies. Th- they themselves have set this up in their own minds that, you know, they were gonna be here. Like they were probably the only ones, and you know, yeah themselves that said guess what we're going to the goddamn final and, and we all laughed and said yeah you did that once you're not going to do it again and here they're in the semi-final so i'm not making a prediction i'm just saying <laughs> that croatia croatia is legitimately here for a reason and if they win there's a reason that they're that they're going to oh win. for sure i think the the the, the, the the crazy thing is with with these sort of semifinals the way they're they're set up is that i think every single iteration would be an interesting story, right? If it's Croatia, Morocco, it's the two teams from the same group, right? Coming out and playing each other in the final. If it's um, Argentina, sure France, never happen. which has never happened. If it's Argentina, France, it's like, it's probably the two, two of the three best teams in the world playing each right. other in the final, right? So that's like, that's a great, that should be a great final. The, you know, the, the NCAA tournament is great. Um, but in the, at the end, you don't really want to watch George Mason play fucking, um, you know, uh, Marquette. You want to play. You want to watch the the big teams play each other, right? The best teams play each other. Um, Argentina, Morocco would be great because that's two be a non-European, you know, non-European guaranteed winner. No right? UEFA allowed. Yep, and you have um, and you have you know the Moroccan story, the Argentinian story, Croatia, France. What well, again? That's that's the rematch. So I mean, every single rematch. every single different permutation of the final is an interesting story. I think that's yeah. super super cool. It's something that I guess I was I didn't even think about. So like just right now, how cool that would be. Croatia, right. Morocco, I mean, the two teams that have not won it. Right? That's yeah. what I was going to say. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I mean, one. I think I think we're we're set up oh, yeah, to yeah. Your we're set up to see something unique, right? In the sense yeah. of like um, whether it's Morocco and Croatia, the two most defensive teams in the tournament, get to make it. Defense, defense, defense is uh, underrated uh, in 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 tournaments like this. If it's France and Argentina, it's the two most offensive-minded teams that you kind of can come up with, right? And and not at full strength, right? Um, and so then you, you got that. But to be honest with you, it's like, what is the most, you know, like, if it isn't Argentina for me, it has to be Morocco that wins it. Like, it's either one of those two things. Because yeah. I think Croatia is a good team and a good defensive team. But in but if this is Luka Modric's last World Cup, like what's going to happen in Croatia after that? Like who's who's on who who who's going to step into that role, and how long is it going to take? France hasn't really convinced me that much. Um, you know, um, Griezmann has, has stood out, but like you said, Dave, Griezmann stood out because he's had to, right? There's no one else. If he if he if it would have been a full uh, French roster, he might not be even playing as much, right? And so that's that's the thing. So that's that that's a bunch of different things and. 
you know, Morocco is just a sexy thing right now. I mean, like, who does not want a first? Um, I, think, you know? I think you're confusing Olivier Giroud right now, but sure. Mm. <laughs> Morocco also. <laughs> Listen, for Rodrigo and me, defense is sexy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this will be, this will be fun. So Tuesday, uh, 1 p.m. and Wednesday, 1 p.m. as well. Um, I will be at the black card for both of those, obviously. Um, MJ, are you going to be anywhere for either of these games? Uh, I'm going to Ladonia because I have yet to watch a game there. And so as those that don't know, I'm kind of whoring myself out to places that I've written about and trying to hit all of them. So, um, and, and there's even places that I haven't written about that I've, you know, gone to. So uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I will say this uh, for Wednesday's match. If you want to go to a place that is going to be Moroccan biased with people speaking Berber and Arabic. Like you want to go where the Moroccans are, go to big Marina. Um, you can do menu or buffet restaurant um, in Columbia Heights or go to Marhaba, Marhaba restaurant on uh, Nicolette and 28th. I want to say, Oh yeah. I just drove by there today. The Marhaba. And again, menu or buffet, whatever. But if you go there, you will be watching you. If you're like being Asian or if you're like David and White or whatever, like, or my other partners that are Latino, you will be in the minority. There will be Africans and, and uh, Arab, Arab big people that are, are watching. So, uh, but yeah, that would be my recommendation if you want that experience. Cool. Cool. And yes, uh, I've just written a lot about the Soda Soccer, um, over at Soda Soccer, about the different spots around the, the cities to watch the game. So um, if you're looking for a different spot, definitely check out the work that he's doing over there. Um, also saw you just interviewed Andrea Yoke. So good job, MJ. Um, cool. Uh, all right. Well, that will do it for the quarterfinals. Um, we'll be back uh, at the end after this week, uh, later this week, to breaking down the... Um, the final i'm um, talking a little bit about these games and then talking about the final um so yeah so you get one more at least one more of these podcasts from us before everything's all said and done um but yeah remember thank you to podium wear for sponsoring the world cup uh, shows um for a custom team and club soccer uniforms or apparel um give brian a call over at 651-895-4559 or you can email him brian at podiumware.com um, for all your home needs um again if you need you want know, to talk about buying or selling your house. Uh, you have repair questions about who's some of the best people to reach out to. Questions about equity, um, whatever. You can reach out to Nate at pensehomes.com um, or give him a call at 612-308-1122. Uh, also, visit our Patreon sites, uh, patreon.com slash mnfootballshow um, or the uh, slash the Daves I know. <clears throat> you can find the Minnesota Football Show at mnfootballshow. Uh, I'm at, TD, or at TDIKMN uh, for the Daves. I'm at Texas Zeller. Rodrigo is at RSC Spoken Word. Uh, MJ is at MJ Matsui. You can find Eric at Eric SB Musica on Instagram. And Jess, uh, hopefully get Jess back here before everything's all said and done at Jessica 144083902. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, Rodrigo, glad you are glad you and your family are doing good and, and are okay. Yes. And uh, yeah, check us out. If you see us um, at the bar or whatever, come say hey. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we'll We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>